I'll snipe and I miss videos still so much I would want in my own home. Packed with VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching in a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-host, Kira Jade Offens, and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. This is Wicked Video. Non-nightmare business? Non-nightmare. Hey. Yeah. Non-nightmare business for the first time in a long time. Okay. Oh, what do you mean, okay? What's going you, on? Well, we're not doing a nightmare movie. Oh, yeah, true. You didn't watch a nightmare movie by no, accident, did you? No. <laughs> I could have. You could have. I, I honestly thought we were talking about me telling a nightmare, and I was like, oh, fuck, I have not prepared one. No, I'm no. just saying that we're not doing the <laughs> next nightmare. Which new nightmare is this? Because... This is our Christmas episode, so I get to pick. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. I get to pick. Is there any old business in the house? No, unfortunately there is not. Okay. What that's, a pick, can I just say? There is. Well, there's I have, you can after I've said it. Mm. <laughs> you can. Yeah, no, there, 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 is, there is no reviews this week, unfortunately. But I'm excited for it being Christmas. Review us, gang. Christmas business. This episode, Bill Murray is regretting all of our life choices. We're talking about Scrooge from 1988. 7 o'clock, Psycho sees Santa's workshop, and only Lee Majors can stop them. In the night, the reindeer die. Be here. You can't show that commercial. That thing looked like the, the Manson family Christmas special. Think I'm way off base? Yes, you're, well, you're a tad off base, sir. Frank Cross is more than the youngest network president in television history. Call security. Have them change his locks and toss him out of the building. Oh, he's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bonus. Watch out. He's a thoughtful boss. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. A generous brother. What did he give you last year? Uh, I don't remember. A shower curtain. Did you hear him? I think you dropped something here. And a true humanitarian. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We tried crazy glue. Maybe tried staples. But his life is about to change. That was a good one. You are going to be visited by three ghosts tomorrow at noon. God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is a washout. Anyone who thinks he hates Christmas is wrong. Ghosts he hates. Ah, I love that bit! <laughs> I'm the ghost of Christmas prison. Bill Murray. Karen Allen. It sounded like you'd seen a ghost. A ghost? John Forsythe. Bobcat Goldfweight. Hey! You want to see me or is this a shotgun in your pocket? <laughs> you know this one? Everybody knows this one. Let's go now. Now does everybody know this one? <laughs> Carol Kane. Robert Mitchum. I really care. David Johansson. Oh, I'm having the weirdest day. See Bill Murray get Scrooged. Hey. Back off, big man. That may work with the checks, but not with me. 
yeah, what a movie. I thought I would have had seen this before. but Johan, I was curious nope. about whether or not this had been one that crossed your radar. No, no. And I think I know why okay. after watching it, but okay. we'll get into it. Sure. Do you have some sort of unnatural hatred of Bill Murray? No, I fucking love that man. Even, I thought you Even would, for things that I shouldn't. Possible. Yeah. Some people hate Bill Murray. I know. Kira had seen the movie before. Yes. But you didn't really remember it? Yeah, it's one of those ones where I have seen it, but for some reason I haven't watched it a million times like many other Christmas movies. Mm, sure. Which yeah, is good this is this. hard to add. I, I was going to add this to our Christmas list that Ellie and I go through each year, but I don't think I will. No? We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Okay. Directed by Richard Donner. You guys don't know who Richard Donner no, is. No, I've, heard, heard, I don't know who I've heard that Donner name. Is. I know the name. Yeah, so he started directing commercials in the 1950s and then moved into TV in the, in the late 50s. He directed his first movie, X-15, about an experimental jet in 1961. So he had a long career. Yeah. Right? And, and I'm a big Richard Donner fan. I, I think that he's a dude that doesn't get a lot of praise for how good his films are. I fucking he's not, know this name. He's not man. really an auteur or a household name, but holy fuck is he goes solid filmography. When yeah. you he's definitely it. made stuff that we've talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. He directed The Omen oh, yeah. in, okay. the, in the 70s, right? That was, his, that was his first hit movie. Then he did Superman. Oh. Christopher Reeve, The Goonies. Wow, oh, that's the one. Comes, comes crashing down. Lady Hawk. Oh, rules. Yeah. Lady Hawk rules. Fight me. Uh, <laughs> Do you seen that? No. Give me the vague. Rooker Howard, Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Broderick. Um, he is a. Oh, I feel like I've seen that. He is a wolf at night and a man during the day, and she is a hawk during the day and a woman at night. Oh, I've not seen it, but I know of this it's movie. Fucking wonderful. Mm, yeah, it's a good time. people don't like that movie. They can get fucked. That's like a yeah. It's like an old. It's a fantasy, fairy tale, fantasy movie yeah. from the from the yeah. uh, from the eighties. Uh, Lethal Weapon one through four. Oh, ah, yeah. Well, yeah, we definitely know this. Now. Yeah, <laughs> and then his kind of last movie of note was Maverick with uh with Mel Gibson, which uh, I really love, despite the Mel Gibson. Album. Wait, Mel Maverick with Mel Gibson, yeah. not Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, <laughs> Maverick. I, know, I don't know if I've it's seen like that. I can't say a word that has any association <laughs> with anything else. Wait, words can be used in multiple ways. Yeah. What? <laughs> People have, there are more than one person with the same name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to kill you. Richard Donner also was the executive producer or produced The Lost Boys. Oh, ah. man. Free Willy. Oh. Tales from the Crypt, the TV show, and wow. Tales from the Crypt. Demon yeah, Man. I feel like we definitely should have been like, oh, yeah, I know that name yeah. and been able to rattle off some of these ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and with his wife, Lauren Shuler Donner, the X Men movies. Ah. Yeah. Although I'm feeling that was more her than him. His name was on it because it was their production company. Right. Sure. Yeah. Also, just all around good dude. All That's around awesome. Yay for non-problematic people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a story that I should probably save for when we do Goonies, but Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk in Goonies, his career dried up not long after Goonies as a child actor, especially mm. a child actor that was on the, on the Chunk side. Yeah. And after school, he decided that he wanted to work behind the camera. Donna got him summer jobs in the industry. And then when Jeff Cohen decided that he wanted to become a lawyer so that he could become an entertainment lawyer, basically an agent, mm. Richard Donna paid for him to go to school the whole time. That's ride. sick. Uh, paid for his higher education. Yeah, yep. that is what very a nice. Fucking good dude. And the payoff to that is that when Ki Hu Kwan, fellow Goonie, decided to give acting one last shot, it was Cohen that negotiated 
his deal for everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, uh, what? Who is he? <gasps> is he the husband? Yeah. Key, key oh, my one. God, I knew that. Yes, yes. you definitely knew that. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, in Key's speech when he won an Oscar for that performance, he wow. thanks Jeff Cohen, his Goonies brother for life. Yeah. So Donna doesn't pay for Cohen's school. Maybe we don't get that performance and maybe I don't cry like a child every time. Aww. Jonathan Kekwan talks about laundry in Texas. Oh, I love you, Ken. Donna passed away in 2021. He was mm. 91. He was still trying Good to make a- innings. Yeah, I know, right? He's still trying to make a fifth Lethal Weapon movie and a second, oh, and a second yes. Goonies movie at that point. Um, but obviously- He was trying now, to make a second Goonies they movie? They were trying to make a second Goonies movie for a long time. This is turning into Goonies podcast. And there's really stories I should say for when we do Goonies. But when I they got remember. together in the early 2000s, to record the video commentary track for Goonies, which, by the way, I highly recommend because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, it's all of them in a room together. Oh, yeah, a, I think I've just hanging And it's yeah. video podcast. It's a video commentary, so you see them talking as well. Mad. That sparked Donna to go, oh, well, if I can get them all together in a room again, maybe we should look at this again. And then he spent 10 years trying to develop it and nobody wants to make it. So, Devo. Also, I don't know how you make that. I'm not, I was never sold on where that. I've never goes. sold on that sequel. I, you know, it's probably their kids going on an adventure. Yeah. 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 But I think that's kind of the yeah. only way you could do it. Anyway, it? Scrooged. Scrooge. <laughs> Scrooge. was written by Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donoghue based on obviously A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Yeah. Glazer was a Saturday Night Live writer. And looking at his other credits, he did work with Bill Murray a few times. Ah. Um, he also co-wrote another Dickens adaptation. He <laughs> co-wrote Great Expectations, the 1990s Ethan Hawke, Gwyneth Paltrow version. Oh, yeah. Which, again, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> oh, really? I'm hardcore really? for that movie. Yeah. I think that's a great, adap great adaptation. Okay. Yeah. O'Donoghue was a National Lampoon's writer and oh, not awesome. for the movies from like the magazine days. Oh. All right. And then he also, um, he also has the distinction of being the first person ever to say a line on Saturday Night Live. Oh, wow. In the very first episode. Oh, yeah. right. That, yeah. That's what you meant. It's yeah. like, was there a version of Saturday Night Live where no one spoke? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was. Saturday Night, Saturday night. So, no, you know what? I'm not going <laughs> to write. Silent movie. Saturday night, not, not re recorded. Saturday night, <laughs> quiet. <laughs> Sometimes I wish it would be because <laughs> that show's no good. It's never been good. I don't know why. No, nah, it has been. Let's not get into it. No, it has I been. I don't think it was ever any good. Starring Bill Murray as Frank Cross. Mm, Frank Cross. I just got how the name is... You know, probably to do with his theming. Yes, he's crossed yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He hadn't had a leading role in four years. Oh. oh I didn't is, know that he went through such a dry spell. Well, yeah. see, Ghostbusters happened, right? Mm -hmm. And then he had a flop with a movie called The Razor's Edge, which was a drama, oh. right? And then he'd made a movie called Nothing Lasts Forever, which didn't even last a little while because it was never released. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oof. He had. A he was, Keen was looking forward to saying that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's a good day at the word factory. He had a cameo in Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Which is the greatest musical ever made. Again, fire me. I'm fucking feisty today. Please won't somebody <laughs> fire me so I can feel things. Um, this was his big return to comedy. He had spent. Uh, two years working on the script with the screenwriters before he decided that that it was ready that it was ready to go. So he was massively invested in in, the, in making this movie. Okay. The rest of the cast is fucking insane. So I'll mention every single person that appears in this motion picture. Yeah. Because As everybody is some is yeah. somebody. It's just it's wild, right? Uh, you guys probably don't even know who any of them are. It's I a, a definitely time. recognize a few of them. 
Oh, this was like it was like Christmas for me. No, nah, see, I don't know their significance though. <laughs> I feel like Keen's very prepared with the quips this week. <laughs> <laughs> he had to it's get through Christmas. Christmas I was like running this shit until one thirty this yeah. morning. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to recap the premise of Scrooged? Ooh, seeing as Come I on, have so give me this week because yeah. this is basically like Christmas. I did the yeah. last one. I haven't seen it before either. So uh, a Christmas Carol with Bill Murray losing his mind. That's it. That's that's it, right? I mean, Bill Murray is a TV exec losing his mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The blockbuster entertainment guide to movies and videos from the year 1998. Scrooged. Noisy, unpleasant modernization of A Christmas Carol with Murray as a despicable TV honcho visited by comic ghosts on Christmas Eve. Some funny bits, but the eclectic cast full of guest cameos goes overboard. Three stars. I got to say, they're like, this movie is fucking crazy. <laughs> the movie is nuts. Hey? The movie's nuts. <laughs> the movie's and like, nuts. I had a really good time. The movie is so bizarre. But like, <laughs> I lost the point of the movie like four times throughout <laughs> watching it. Like, I was just like, what is going on again? There is so many bits where you're like, no, what is happening yeah, right now? Yeah, right? <laughs> And there's like at the start, like certain people become like relevant, but then then like not relevant at certain points. You're like, whoa, I've just kind of lost my place for a little bit. <laughs> um, Listen, I'm I'm the first to admit that it is a fucking this movie is a fucking mess. Yeah, it there's is a, there's, right. There's a reason. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, but like the funny thing is, is like I don't know how much my score is going to change from that score. I don't feel bad about the movie. It was just a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Janet Matlin of the New York Times was Vincent Canby, and in November of 1998, he wrote, Locked deep inside Bill Murray, there is a small, hyperactive misanthrope fighting to be heard through the large, heavy body that contains him. This misanthrope never sleeps. He's a busy demon, peering out through Mr. Murray's squinty eyes, seeing all and remaining actively unimpressed. This is amazing. By the time his nastiest observations fly their way to the surface, however, much of their sting has been absorbed by the flesh leaving so sometimes revivifying but thoroughly domesticated scepticism. Because Mr. Murray is funniest when the big, laid-back, good-natured slob gives in to his furious mini-misanthrope, Scrooge, an updated version of Dickens' Christmas Carol, is best when Mr. Murray is allowed to be his secret self. This may well be a secret of Mr. Murray's enormous popularity in a series of similarly second-rate comedies, including Ghostbusters. Get fucked. Wow. Scrooge, written by Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donoghue and directed by Richard Donner, exemplifies the kind of lazily executed comedies Mr. Murray seems to always make. Scrooge works in fits and starts. The mundane demands of the sentimental story keep interrupting what are essentially review sketches, a few of which are hilarious. No expense has been spared in this film's physical production and casting. The movie looks as though it costs a lot, even when that's not necessary. The classiness of the supporting cast, however, is. Robert Mitchum is cool and comic as a network president. Karen Allen is charming as Frank's goal, who left behind in his ruthless climb to the top. And John Glover is an ever-smiling, patronizing new boy at the network, who, if things go well, will be Frank's successor. Scrooge is nothing if not contemporary. Frank's Cross's passionately delivered final speech, in which he endorses the power of love and the importance of old-fashioned family values, might have come out of a recent presidential campaign. Vincent Campy of the New York Times. That was that was insanely well written at the start there. I loved that at the start. Yeah, well, There were a, a few things that a, I didn't he, quite agree he, with. He had a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was... Uh, normally I'm disappointed when it's not Janet Maslin, yeah. but that was that was a, Some that nice was a writing, good one. Man. See, it didn't yeah. have the Jaslyn like wit, but it had like a bit of like story to it almost. Yeah. It was really Some nice. Some interesting creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie's fucking savage by critics. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Savage for being excessive, for being too dark, for being mm. just another Bill Murray being lazy, running around, <laughs> being an idiot. See, I disagree with that because I feel like a lot of Murray's films are 
comics making comedy. So there's a lot of inside jokes and there's a lot of things that are just like, ah, this is for us because we find it funny. Yeah. And, and the audience gets into those. There are a lot of inside jokes in this movie. But I feel like this is less comics making comedy. Because, and I was going to talk about this a little bit later, it's not being directed by one of them. Ah, It's being directed yeah. by Richard Donner. Yeah. Yeah. So box office, the US box office when Scrooge opened in November of 1988. So- Wait, did Donna, I forget of the movie list, did he do many comedies? Well, would you call, I mean, the Lethal Weapon movies get funnier, but that's because their scripts were garbage, so they're just improv the whole time. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. Okay, I see. And Goonies is is a lot of a people, family movie. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think that movie's funny, but a lot of people just think it's children screaming, and I understand uh, that. Honestly, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a good time. I know, right? It's going to be a longest episode ever. (laughs) So much to say. Yeah, I think we just camp out. Yeah, okay, let's do it. The US box office The Weekend Scrooge opened in November of 1998. The number one movie was... Scrooge? Scrooge. (laughs) Mad. Bidding out out Land Before Time. Whoa! But it's Land Before Time. That is like the ultimate kids movies. Were kids movies not a big thing? Was movie going more of an adult thing at that time? No, kids movies were a big thing. Land Before Time is fantastic. That was like my childhood. Yeah. Oliver and Company. Ah, fuck. I don't care about that. (laughs) (laughs) Cocoon the Return. Uh, And Ernest Saves Christmas. Uh, the they, they were big, time. right? Yeah, <laughs> the Land Before Time. It came out in like holiday season. It came Is that out, not a big season? Yeah. Well, there wasn't a lot of um, adult competition. It was mostly kids' movies. So it came out like between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, which is when all the kids go to the movies. Which is when and if go. adults are going to the movies, they're probably taking their kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so interesting. The adults go see Scrooge and the kids go see Land Before Time. Yeah, interesting. Right? Um, I hung around in the top 10 for seven weeks. So, uh, so it hung around wow. through, through into Christmas. How did Land Before Time go? <laughs> is it okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Concerned about it now. Don't worry about did it. Did it might, do okay? We might get there one day. <laughs> I might get real desperate one day. Hey, it's a good movie. I, hey, listen, I saw it in a cinema. The series. You, I saw it in a cinema. You weren't born yet. <laughs> did you like it? Did it come yeah. out before us? 1988, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes words hit my ear and I go, I know what that meant. And then I think about it later and I don't. <laughs> <sighs> the pain. <laughs> Scrooge made some money, though. Well, Savage White Critics have made some money. It cool. made just over $100 million internationally on a $30 million budget, but it but it wasn't the massive hit that they had expected to be because it was Bill Murray's return to comedy. They expected it to do Ghostbusters numbers. It did not do Ghostbusters numbers. Yeah. It would never do Ghostbusters numbers. But it also has ghosts in it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this. I think that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> in the 80s, sometimes that there was enough. There should have been a Ghostbusters joke somewhere in this movie. Yeah. Um... um yeah, okay, sorry. So it became a cult movie for Gen Xers, with which who myself identify. I was just about to ask, like, because this movie I definitely have heard of, so I know I got some pretty yeah. good clout. Technically, I'm on the cusp of X and Y, but I choose ah, X. Okay. <laughs> are, we, are we Gen Y, yeah? We're Y, millennials, yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't want to be with you people. My backstory. <laughs> like, everyone in my generation, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, which were Murray's next film after, which was Murray's film next after this, were massive. Mm. In the same writing book that Pocket Can wrote about Freddy's nightmares, mm. I also wrote about being a Ghostbuster. 
I loved Bill Murray as a child, right? Yeah. I was obsessed with Bill Murray as a child. And that continued on. There's another later Bill Murray movie that gets a bad rap. Well, not later, but 90s Bill Murray movie. Yeah. It like, fucking kills me. This that is that we thing, might eventually talk about. The thing is, is that I can just watch Bill Murray do everyday life. If that was a live stream, <laughs> I would watch it. You yeah. know what I mean? I had already seen Stripes. Yeah, which I love, and Caddyshack. Yeah, so man. I was excited when I saw the trailer for this movie. Stripes was like my growing up movie. The yeah, amount of times I've seen so that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could like quote it the whole movie too. Yeah, um, I seen that movie. Yeah, a long time ago though. It's the army one when they try and make a hover tank. Yeah. No, don't worry. I about don't it. remember the hover tank. <laughs> we'll circle back to it. Okay. I wanted to see Scrooge at the movies when I was a kid because I saw the trailers and I was like, Bill Murray. Matt. Oh yeah. And, but I never did. So I saw it on home video with my dad. And I remember even him at the time being like, this movie is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is real dark. For sources this week, I tracked down the seventh draft of the screenplay. Thanks Dope. to scriptslug.com, not an ad. Um, <laughs> and the rest of it is just the usual internet scuttlebutt the, yeah. and reputation of this of this movie that is, you know, floating around in my brain place. If you want to watch this movie, it's widely available digitally. There's also a Blu-ray and a 4K. Apparently 4K is pretty good. It, in Australia, it's streaming on Stan and it is rentable in 4K on Apple TV. Mm. Shout out to Stan. They're so much better than like you think. They've got everything. Not that. <laughs> and in the US, which now accounts for 40% of our listenership, by the way. What? Yeah. How the fuck did that happen? Huh. Uh, it's on Prime and Paramount+. Plus. What up to all our US what the fuck are you doing listeners? Here? Yeah. Hey, I wonder what you. they think of our accents. I Probably hear the Americans often don't like our accents. <laughs> I don't know. I think our Sorry, I was just leaving room for the content warning. Oh, I think our <laughs> accents are sexy. Apparently our accents got voted like sexiest in the world somewhere. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Not because of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk our way through Scrooged? Yeah. Why not, mate? Italian. <laughs> French. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is South this? African. South African's good. I like New South Zealand African. New mm. Yeah, I suppose. Can't lie. It's pretty me. close to. to <laughs> I'm just going to have you fuckers waiting podcast. <laughs> we're gabbing over here. Just <laughs> you're always like we should talk more. So we're talking more <laughs> about the motion picture. Oh, experience. you need to be more specific in your advice. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We've we've worked on a whole bit. <laughs> Straight away over the logo, the music kicks in, and I was like, "Oh, Denny Elfman." Was it really? Yeah, Danny Elfman. Batman, Edward Scissorhands, pretty much every, Fucking uh, amazing. every Tim Burton movie. Uh, Henry Selick's uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, it's Henry Selick's Nightmare Before Christmas, not Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Fuck you. Uh, huh? He's the singing voice of Jack Skellington. I'm not going to get into Explain it. Explain that. Okay. No, we're open with a flying room. <laughs> 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 fuck, we're now going to go back, don't I? <laughs> Everybody calls it Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas. Isn't Tim Burton didn't fucking direct it. It's a marketing term. Tim yeah. Burton did the uh, the idea for the story and, and did some scribbles in a notebook 15 years Years before the movie before the movie was made. Uh, right. The man that did the work is Henry Selick. He did the stop motion animation. And Shout he out to does Henry Selick. The credit he deserves for that movie. So I refer to that movie as Henry Selick's Nightmare Before Christmas. I will too now. There you, you go. You don't yeah. remember that name. We open with a fly through. <laughs> Henry Selick. Henry Selick. We open Henry with Selleck. a fly through through the <laughs> Paramount logo to Santa's Village. Santa. It's a model mm. shot. It's a really nice model shot. I had no 
fucking idea what was going on. The start of this movie <laughs> threw me, me so fucking hard. Yeah. Let, me, let me go through it. <laughs> so we, as we get closer to the Santa's workshop, you can see a shadow of an elf in a window. Yeah. It's animation. Ah. It's just animation put onto the model. Nice. Uh, cell animation. We wipe past a giant Christmas tree, and on the other side, we're on a set, which is a Ooh. nice transition. You can kind of see the edges of the tree are a little... little uh, okay. Inside, it's chaos. Santa's supervising Christmas Eve. And apparently, they're running late. Suddenly, they're under attack from mortars and machine guns. Santa Claus, come quick, look! Incoming! Mrs. Claus says, let's get them, and they open a cabinet full of automatic weapons. Yeah. yeah this Le- is a very fucking conf- strong start, though. It's, a, it's an excellent scene. It's very confusing <laughs> as to the you know, title of the movie. Not, I'm not done. Lee Majors, the $6 million man, shows up with the Gatling gun from Predator, by Which the way. Santa fully introduces as well. It's Lee Majors, the $600, the $6, $6 million, million dollar man. man yeah. Majors, the six million dollar band. Santa, is there a back way out of this place? Of course there is, Lee, but this is one Santa that's going out the front door. Look, it don't matter a hill of beans what happens to me. The world couldn't afford it if anything happened to you. Now you stay put. Oh, that's very nice of you, Lee. And Lee. You've been a real good boy this year. It transitions, and we're deep in fucking Robocop territory here. Yeah. <laughs> because what we just saw is an ad for a TV movie, The Night the Reindeer Died. Yes! <laughs> 7 o'clock. Psycho sees Santa's workshop. Eat this. And only Lee Majors can stop them. The Night the Reindeer Died. Yeah. It's so good. Such a strong start. As a child, I thought this was a trailer for a movie that that, that was coming out soon. That's hilarious. And you to go see that I realised it was the start of the movie. And often there are trailers uh, before movies. Yeah, so. I was like, I want to see the movie now, where, where Santa's got a gun. I, I'm just going <laughs> to make an admission to the podcast here. I haven't seen Reindeer Games. What? So, because was that a play on Reindeer Games? Reindeer Games is a John. It's no John. <laughs> Reindeer Games is an Affleck movie. Is an Affleck movie from the early two thousands. How is it a play? I on haven't Reindeer? seen it. I didn't know. Reindeer Games is a fucking heist movie. The night the Reindeer Games died, or something like it's that. The wasn't night it? the Reindeer died. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was like a Reindeer Games. Like I was like, is Liam Majors in that movie? I don't know. You thought it was referencing a movie that didn't come out for another ten years. <laughs> This is totally out of control. Oh, my God. Merry Christmas. Oh, that's so funny. I'm (laughs) such a Muppet. In the screenplay. (laughs) Fuck me. In the screenplay, it's Chuck Norris, not Lee Majors. Oh, that would have been dope. Yeah, like apparently they couldn't get him. That's surprising, isn't it? it pretty is easy surprising. to get him to be in I mean, no. He, no, no, no. But he does. He's too busy insisting things be PG-13 and nobody swear. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> the funny thing is, is for him being who he is, I'm surprised he's not in like a super Christian B movie yet. I'm not you know he's what in I mean? Christian movies. He's is not he? paying attention. 
Of course he is. You'd need to oh be my god, I thought I'd watch. seen all of his movies. No. <laughs> <laughs> the next up is an ad for Bob Goulet's old fashioned Cajun Christmas. Yeah. He's pushing a gondola through a fucking swamp. <laughs> yeah. In the south and has to keep looking over his shoulder because he's being followed by an alligator, which is like <laughs> the fucking greatest thing. It's such a good bit. It's such a good visual gag. And then at nine o'clock, Father Loves Beaver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here on IBC, you'll love it. Ugh. It's, oh it dear. feels like you guys aren't Rick and Morty people, but it's how it feels Rick like. And Morty are people. you? I didn't know that. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like interdimensional, interdimensional cable episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I mean, bit. it feels more like Robocop, but the, okay, yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good Which, point. I yeah. mean, the thing about Rick and Morty is, is that it's ripping off everything yeah, true. That, that you have not seen, true. and therefore, when you see it, it feels like the thing that you have already seen. Yes. When really, it is referencing <laughs> the thing that you have already seen. Yes, but now I get to learn where that deeper reference we comes pull from. Pull out of a bank of TVs. <laughs> It probably does make rewatching Rick and Morty more interesting. It does. Food. It fully does. Yeah. You get the references. Yeah. Oh, there was one episode of Rick. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of sidetracks today. We pull out of a bank of TV monitors. We're in the cold monocolor boardroom of IBC. Frank Cross, I love that he opens a little more, a mirror, uh, opens a drawer. There's a little mirror. In I it. know. He practices smiling, closes it, and then immediately grimaces and asks for the Scrooge promo. <laughs> Oh, that was so good. Ten o'clock. It's a cold, bleak Christmas. Ten o'clock. IBC presents live via satellite from New York, Bethlehem, Helsinki, West Berlin, and the Great Barrier Reef, Charles Dickens' immortal Christmas classic, Scrooge, starring Buddy Hackett, Jamie Farr, the Solid Gold Dancers, and Mary Lou Redden as Tiny Tim, hosted by Sir John Houseman. Scrooge, it will touch your every heartstring. That's right, it all starts on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve on IBC. You'll love it. So good. Just so <laughs> fucking do frenetic who, already. Do you know any of these people, people I know are. the acrobat. The acrobat, yeah. yeah. So there's Mary Lou Ren. She won gold at the Summer Olympics in 1984 for gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Buddy Hackett's a comedian and actor. He's in uh, A Mad, Mad, Mad World, which is a uh, like a comedy movie from, I think it's from the, the 60s or 70s. He's in The Love Bug, the first Hobie movie. Okay. Um, and he's the voice of Scuttle in The Little Mermaid. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jamie Farr is Klinger from MASH. Oh. Yeah. Hosted by Sir John Houseman. Uh, set up and pay off. I mentioned him in Homework Club last week. Uh, not remembering <laughs> that he was in this movie. Fantastic. Um, he was Orson Welles' theatre producer in the 1930s during wow. the Mercury Theatre and Federal Theatre Project days. Uh, he went with Welles to Hollywood and produced Citizen Kane. So that's hey. the dude in the chair. The, really? the guy in the chair. Uh. That's John Houseman. He went on to produce a ton of films and theatre and then he, he had acted when he was younger but he returned to acting in the 1970s. For me, he's Mr. Bartholomew in Rollerball. He's the bad guy in Rollerball, the James Kahn movie from the ah. 90s, which we will absolutely do at one point. That movie is like so fucking influential to me. Okay. Um, John Houseman uh, passed away about a month before this movie came out. So this is, his, I think it's his last uh, appearance in, in film. Frank thinks that the promo sucks. His lackeys around the table try to placate him. We spent $40 million on a live TV show and we've got an ad with some old fart reading a book by a fireplace. Yeah. $40 million in 1988. $40 million. That's so much money. Yeah. That's more than the budget of this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, this movie was $30 million. <laughs> so already in the screenplay, none of this dialogue is the same. This is notoriously fraught production. Murray and Donna clashed a lot. Donna thought that Murray was very, very difficult to work with. Thought yeah. the results were worth it, but he was like hurting, hurting a cat. 
Um, Murray didn't think that Donna knew anything about comedy. Um, he thought that he was too focused on the effects and the explosions and the action. And Donna kept on directing him to do things louder. And Murray's like, I think it was because he was deaf. <laughs> so they did not have a not have a good time. It was a very troubled troubled production. It does sound feel like it has this movie feels like it has two masters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Murray constantly went off book refused to do what was in the script. Yeah. So Donna just had to basically try to wrangle him and let him go. So most of the time in this movie, Bill Murray is just making up his own li- his own lines. Yeah. One of my favorites, and he just does, he just adds business all the time. One of my favorites. In this scene, there's a Picasso on the wall, and as he passes it, he says, Brother, help me. Through the <laughs> painting. <laughs> was that just ad lib? <laughs> <laughs> It's just him reacting to seeing this Picasso on the on the wall. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. I'm going to point out that some I feel of them like are, there are some scenes where he's going crazy on set where he just made them up. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to point out some of my favorite ad libs of his that are clearly ad libs. Yeah, and that is the the first of many. One of his funky speaks oh, up. Excuse me, sir. Uh, I don't want to be out of line here, but um, well, we've been running that spot now for over a month, and well, it's getting a hell of a response. Yeah. You know who that is? I don't. I can't remember his name. That's Bobcat Goldthwait. Bobcat. Yeah, um, that's right. That's Zed from Police Academy. Yeah. He's also in One Hot Summer, the John Cusack movie, where he uh, accidentally he gets glued into a Godzilla suit and destroys a model village. It's my f- I fucking I have love that part that. of that movie. He's a like a, a comedy legend from LA in the nineties. Was in he the in 1980s. SNL? He was an SNL man. I don't think he was on, 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 was on he SNL. Not? No, but he was best friends with Rob, with Robin yeah. Williams. Right? They did lots of stuff together. He directed a movie called Shakes the Clown. It's the Susan Kane of clown movies. If you're looking for two-fisted action... I know karate! Uh, well, I know the Vulcan nerve pinch. High drama. Hey, wait a minute. You clowns are on dope! And forbidden romance. <laughs> you, uh, might want to look somewhere else. What's your name? Shakes. Shakes the clown. Okay. Blow that horn one more time. I'm gonna shove it right up here. Everybody loves a clown, so why don't I? <laughs> Mom, who's the naked clown in our bathroom? Your total disregard for the clown code of ethics. I joke. Horror but movie? No. Oh uh, well, the horrific. Okay. <laughs> it's about an alcoholic clown. Yeah, man. He's in makeup the entire movie. Yeah, sick. Okay. He's a really solid director now. He directed World's Greatest Dad, uh, God Bless America, and Willow Creek, which are all entirely worth, yeah. worth checking out. I knew that, yeah. yeah. Frank rips him. That isn't good enough! They have got to be so scared to miss it! So terrified! And then he plays his version of the hat. This <laughs> does feel Robocopy. I know. Oh, it's so funny when you give me a lens to like look through at the movie through. It's like there's moments of like general insanity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Where like it, the cast, the director, the writing, the movie feels like it's representing an insane person. Yeah, <laughs> acid rain. Freeway killers. Now more than 
ever It is important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Screw. Your life might just depend on it. Not bad, huh? <laughs> With a nuclear bomb. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. It's fucking insane. The meeting breaks up and Bobcat, uh, whose name is Elliot Loudermilk, confronts him about how extreme it is. It looks like the Manson family Christmas special. (laughs) Frank ends up just mocking him and telling him, oh, he'll try and change it. We don't want to scare the Dickens out of people. Yeah. The Dickens. No one understands me. Yep. Uh, Elliot leaves and Frank tells his assistant Grace to call security and have him escorted out of the building. She objects that it's Christmas and then he thanks her for reminding him, call accounting and have his bonus cancelled. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Frank is played by Alfie Woodard. She's a legend. Um, She's been in hundreds of, she's been, she has hundreds of film, TV and theatre credits. She's won Emmys, Golden Globes, been nominated for an Oscar and won two Grammys and we will never see her again on this podcast. That lady is too good for the movies that we do. <laughs> She's too good for this movie. Yeah. 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 It's funny how uh, Louder Milk plays that character in A Christmas Carol that's like been wronged by yeah. Scrooge. Yeah. But by the end, like he's in on the plan, but he's still wrong. <laughs> yeah. We'll get, we'll get there yeah. eventually. Just to put a hat on a hat. Frank rips a painting of her kid off the wall because he hates it. And Santa's got so many fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she pour- How many fingers does he have? 11. Get rid of it. It's crap. I hate it. <laughs> she pours him a tab and vodka. That is a drink for fucking psychos. What is tab? Tab is like a drier Coca-Cola closer to a Dr. Pepper. It was discontinued oh, in 2020. It is gross. Yuck. I don't Dr. like any Pepper. kind of drink that is... Described as dry. <laughs> you don't like a nice dry Sauvignon Blanc? Prefer, don't, don't, you prefer moist drinks. <laughs> it's a liquid. It shouldn't be able to be described as dry. Uh-huh. I it's agree. wet. <laughs> I agree. It is like syntactically incorrect. It just hurts my brain. <laughs> Elliot is escorted down the building. His stuff is dumped on the sidewalk. Frank watches him via a telescope as he and Grace go through his Christmas gift list, deciding what to give people. <laughs> VCR or IBC branded bath towel. He's mostly giving away towels, even to his brother. Yeah. So the VCR yeah. is a good gift? That's yeah. the good gift. So, in, yeah. so in he 19- is giving some people very a few, good gift. Very few people. Yeah. Yeah. In 1988, that is worth about 500 bucks. So equivalent of about yeah. $3,000 $3, today. Like it's brand new technology. Yeah. It's like top of the line technology. I mean, I'd, It's like giving somebody like the best 4K TV. Guys, there's nothing Fancy. wrong with the towel. I don't mind towel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> TV branded. Towels. Some of the <laughs> some of the names th- that she says are like are also like this hidden jokes like Colonel Tom Parker, uh, Elvis's manager. Oh right. 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 So there's all kinds of there's names there's stuff hidden in there. His phone buzzes. Mister Rylander is on his way down. He's the head of the network. Before he comes in, Frank <laughs> tells Grace to put herself down for a towel as she's straightening him up. Oh yeah. <laughs> getting rid of his booze. What a, she asks? What about my bonus? And he says, towel or a face cloth. <laughs> I actually missed that. That's funny. In rocks Preston Rhinelander, motherfucking Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Hollywood royalty Robert Mitchum. Night of the Hunter, the original Cape Fear, El Dorado, Farewell My Lovely, 
uh, Jim Jamusha's Dead Man, mm. which is one of his last last roles. Like that guy is like that guy's incredible. He, yeah. he has hundreds upon hundreds of credits. Uh, I don't know any of those movies. Do you actually know any of those movies, or are you saying yeah because I you know want them. games to think you know? No, 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 I know them in culture. I haven't seen them. Yeah, so yeah. he's like proper like like nineteen yeah. fifties, like Cape Fear, ho- Hollywood. Yeah. Like that's like so in yeah. the culture that you remember the references. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the episode yeah. where Sideshow Bob yeah. steps <laughs> on all those rakes? Yes. Yeah, that's they're pulling off Cape Fear. Yeah, yeah. no, I. I also <laughs> recognise the references. I was just yeah. commenting that I wasn't sure whether Brody's um, reaction saying, was yeah. genuine. <laughs> yeah, no, because like I do this thing where I try and picture the face, but I couldn't picture the face in that moment. So I was like, I still can't remember which <laughs> one he is. Preston wants to know if Frank has any idea how many cats there are in this country. <laughs> 27 million. Dogs, 48 million. Now, I have here a study from Hampstead University which shows us that cats and dogs are beginning to watch television. Now, if these scientists are right... You should start programming right now. Well, in 20 years, they could become steady viewers. Programming for cats. Oh, my God. I fully forgot. This is one of the most okay. crazy so parts insane. of the it's, film. It's insane, right? But it's paid off later. We'll, come, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. It gets paid off later. Damn it. I don't mouse? know where. No, 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 no. It gets paid. Like, it totally gets paid off. We'll, okay. we'll get to it. Okay. They go for a walk through the through the building. I'm not saying build a whole show around animals. Oh, no. All I'm suggesting is that we occasionally throw in a little pet appeal. Some birds, a squirrel. Mice. Mice, exactly. You remember Kojak and the lollipops? What about a cop that dangles string? That's his gimmick. Lots of quick, random action. Frank, wasn't there a Dormouse in Scrooge? <laughs> Frank responds, having Robert Mitchum deliver this dialogue is like fucking something, right? Yeah. Frank, Frank responds, I always felt like it needed a Dormouse. Dormice. Dormice. <laughs> Preston says goodbye, and Bryce Cummings, tan, sharp, and yuppie handsome. That's his description of the screenplay. Yeah. Uh, introduces Act. introduces himself to Frank. That's John Glover. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what is he in? I don't know, but I've seen his face. He's Daniel Clamp in Gremlins 2. Hey. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's also in the ad for Magnavolt in Robocop 2, Murphy's Boogaloo. Ah. His face seems more important than that. I feel like I've seen him in... John Glover's in lots of stuff. Yeah, it's like an actual... Yeah, I think I broke care. <laughs> Does he play <laughs> villains a lot? He plays he plays this role a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. yuppie. <laughs> yeah, no, I really broke Kira. Got in there, got <laughs> the in there. Good. We'll just wait. No, Robocop Two Murphy's Boogaloo was what did it. <laughs> uh, I'm here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keep going. Uh-huh. Uh, Frank freaks out and demands Grace give him a full report on Bryce. She's about to leave for the night, but he needs her to work late. She has to take her son to the doctor. He is already so fucking unhinged. In yeah, this he's, he's just fucking flying. She tells him that his brother is waiting in waiting in his office. He goes in. His brother James is played by John Murray, his actual brother. Ah, yep. that's cute. really yeah. <laughs> On the wall, is he usually an actor? Yeah, yeah, he is in fact an actor. On the wall, Frank has a dictionary definition for a cross. His surname. A thing they nail people to. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized where I know Bryce Cummings from. What do you know him from? Smallville. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, um, is he Lex Luthor's dad? Yeah. yeah Smallville? Yeah. yeah. Why do I know? You know, I've never seen Smallville. I just know that for some reason. It's good You've fun. You've never seen any Smallville? No. It's it was good, a, it's I was good fun. It's CW show and I was like past. I was already like an adult when I started. Uh, right. And I was also not a superhero guy. So When it was like Monster of the Week, again, like Supernatural, it was dope. 
Uh-huh. I like Michael Rosenbaum. He's got a good, uh, I like, he's got a good podcast. What's his podcast about? He just talks to other, he talks to interviews, celebrities. Oh. But he does good interviews, like long interviews with mm. people. Normally they're about, they're more, <laughs> his usual approach is, why are you so well put together? <laughs> My therapist doesn't help me. Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent way to it's do a great, it. It's a great podcast. Um, outside, street musicians are performing Christmas music, which, of course, pisses off Frank. He tells them that they're ripping people off and they're in the way. <laughs> Those musicians. Paul Schaefer. Hey. From Letterman. Paul Schaefer. He's oh, yeah. the band leader from yeah, Letterman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fucking Miles Davis. Jazz what? legend Miles Davis is one of those street musicians. Are you fucking kidding? No. That is such a small bit part. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's just making a cameo in this, in the, in this I Christmas I love that. Movie. Yeah. Do you reckon they would just, he was like, I want to have a bunch of people to hang out with on set? Yeah. Fuck probably. yeah. <laughs> Nobody was doing anything that month. <laughs> yeah. James thinks that Frank doesn't like Christmas. Frank loves it. It's cold and people stay inside and watch television. Yeah. <laughs> James invites them to his annual Christmas dinner with his uh, family and friends. And Frank tells him to have a happy new year. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not going to that shit. Yeah. And then he, uh, he knocks, he, uh, well, he cons an old lady out of a cab. <laughs> yeah. So, like, this is the thing. He's not just, like, unhinged in parts. He's just, like, he's socially just, evil. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. absolutely evil. Yeah. He's chaotic evil. This is yeah. probably what I didn't realize He's the later. definition of chaotic evil. Yeah. yeah. When, like, he goes mad later, it is, it is definitely written into his character beforehand that he's fucking insane. Yeah. He just shows it less, uh, shows it more a little bit later. Yeah. He just I has have, more outbursts later. Yeah. He's in an award dinner where he gets he gets awarded the Humanitarian yes. of the Year award. I don't understand how he got nominated for that in the first place. So it's just real fast. Shit. It's real fast in the movie. There is more of it in the in the, in the screenplay. This is the thing, yeah, it's such it's a tiny such a leftover thing from like something that was clearly larger at one point, and right. then they just left. It, they left I love it, it as a little bit. bit. I yeah. really do. I think it just adds to the insanity. I think of the they world. need to leave it in because of the because of the they need to have a reason for him to have left and then come go back to work uh, because yeah. there's business that that needs to stay in the movie. So because Elliot isn't doing very good, he's brown bagging it and mumbling to himself as he makes his way home. And then we see Frank's cab splash him and he drops his his bottle. Uh, And then Frank leaves his award in the cab when he gets back, when he gets back to work. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's why you need to keep that scene in. Yeah. If you're going to, I mean, I suppose you could cut it so that the, he get, Elliot gets splashed by the cab and you don't know that it's Frank, but you want Frank to always be the reason that bad things happen to, yeah, to, true. to, yeah. to Elliot. Right. Grace gets off the train with her youngest son, uh, Calvin. I love the way she carries him down the stairs. Cause there's <laughs> these long, these long yeah. stairs. They've been to an expensive doctor who told them what they already knew. And we, Calvin doesn't talk. That'll become important later on. Calvin is just like, they just use him as a pro. Oh, he's the tiny Tim. Yeah. He's the tiny Tim, of course. Oh, my God. This is a Christmas carol, so. I'm such an idiot. Of course. There, there has to be an to element ones. of every. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Sometimes you just it's catch strange yourself. How, like, it's that- strange how, like, the show that they're putting on. <laughs> Inside the, the, the TV show that they're putting oh on in the God. movie, there's all these parallels between that and the plot of the film. <laughs> that silent, oh, fuck, that I just said was like me not realizing I was being silly, stupid, like I normally am, <laughs> where I was just like, that was really obvious and that was a really dumb thing that I didn't realize. <laughs> I wonder how many other things you didn't put together. Someone knocks on the door, but there's no one there. He locks the door. And then the room begins to shake. Something bangs on the door and then Frank goes and grabs his gun. Yeah. The door explodes. 
good one. A rotting dead guy dragging his golf club walks in and makes himself a drink. Yeah. From the script, he wears rotting golf togs complete with checkered pants, tasseled shoes, and a Robin's blue alpaca sweater, and he drags a big bulky golf bag crammed with clubs. Lou is a decayed corpse, a Rick Bacon nightmare with moss growing on him and a mouse hole in his forehead. This all, <laughs> this all looked really good. The makeup is fantastic. Yeah. Frank shoots him a few times. Yeah. A mouse pushes a golf ball out of a hole in his skull <laughs> and then climbs back in the hole. That was great. <sighs> Lou's response is, take it easy on the Bacardi. Yeah. <laughs> and then he drinks his drink and it pours out of the bullet holes that Frank has just shot into. So him. cartoony. I love it. It's so good. It, this is Frank's old boss and mentor. Yeah. Lou Haywood, played by John Forsyth. He's the OG voice of Charlie and Charlie's Angels. Oh, oh shit. Which is funny because in this scene, He's with the 2000s <gasps> voice of Charlie ah, from Charlie's Angels. Yeah. For me, he is Sam Marlowe in Hitchcock's The Trouble with Harry. No. Do you remember The Trouble with Harry? The Trouble no. with Harry is that he's a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a Hitchcock comedy where uh, a woman's ex-husband is dead is found dead in a small town community. Yeah, this and is then, a good one. And then they nobody nobody knows what happened to him or if he was killed or if he died of a heart attack or whatever. I haven't whatever. even heard of and this. And then they spend the entire movie trying to get rid of the body. The whole town tries to get rid of the body. It is, I'm going to upset the internet, it's my favourite Hitchcock movie. <laughs> I haven't even heard so of it. so fucking funny. It's got a young Shirley MacLaine in it. Okay. John Forsyth plays like the, um, he's like an uh, like an artist that can never sell his paintings. Uh, he's, yeah, What's it he's called? He's new in town. The Trouble with Harry. The Trouble with Harry? Yeah, it's incredible. Okay. That movie's incredible. Anyway, John Forsyth, he's the male lead in that movie when he was a ah. younger man. He was really good, he was really good looking. Uh, obviously, in this, he's um, covered in makeup. And rotten, okay. so probably yep. can't be described as good looking. I, I know John Forsyth, though, from something, and it's not those things. Yeah, I mean, you're looking up in your own time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lou's been dead for seven years, and he warns Frank that he's in trouble. He needs to change his ways or wind up doomed like him. I love that he hits his chest for emphasis and then chokes on his own dust. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny. Frank thinks it's poisoned Chernobyl vodka and that he's hallucinating. <laughs> That's where you go the first time. Yeah. Lou warns him again not to waste his life like he did. Frank is in sense waste. You're a legend of the industry. You invented the miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> Lou tells him he will be visited by three ghosts and to expect the first one at 12 tomorrow. I forgot in A Christmas Carol, there's someone who visits before the ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who really invented the miniseries? No, no. I do not. I don't, I don't either. It was Lou Haywood. Okay. It was this guy. <laughs> this guy in his mouth that lives in his mouth house. That is his brain. <laughs> mouse house. Mouse house. Frank tells him this week's a washout and Lou grabs him by the neck and then fucking puts him through, ghosts him through the window. Bill Murray's improv line... Please no, they'll think I'm a suicide. Yeah. <laughs> the um the, the effect of going through the glass. Yep. Is that like just on on screen like there's no camera there and they just do a little bit of a shimmer as he walks there's out? No camera there. There's no window there. <laughs> yeah, they do a version without the gl the glass is put it's probably put in optically. You yeah. can do that well in 1988? Yeah, pretty pretty okay. Because, like, I was looking at it, like, because, yeah. you know, when you see this effect, you try and look at it and, like, say, I can be, guess how it's done on the pod here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I was looking it's at it. Like like, honestly, it's just like a design. Honestly, it's just like a... There's two him, shots. Yeah, so it's two shots laid over the top of each other with one there's a window and one there isn't. Right, because right? there was glare there and I was like, how the fuck are they doing that? And then they, they add that? a little bit of, like, animation 
for yeah. the for the phasing effect through the through the window. But okay. it's basically two shots put together put together. Okay. Optically, as yeah, opposed yeah, yeah. to being composited in a computer. Literally two pieces of film over the top of over the top of each other. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, yeah. thank you. Frank pulls at Lou's arm and it just comes apart. I love how dry and yeah. <laughs> muscly it is. It's awful. Um Frank falls screaming and then lands on the floor of his office. His phone dials on its own and we get an answering machine message from a woman named Claire. Frank runs to the phone and leaves a panics message. We find out that he hasn't spoken to her, but he needs to talk to her. I love him checking his watch before he says 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good piece of and business. He checks his watch. That's yeah. so funny. He chugs his- who's, that, who's that for? It's for you. Yeah. yeah. He chugs his drink and then uh, takes a golf ball out of his mouth. Yeah, that's right. Which the internet's like, oh, it's a reference to Caddyshack. It's like, no, it's fucking no. It's ghost friend played golf. Yeah, <laughs> the golf ball just literally fell out of his head. Yeah. So it probably and landed, it landed, in, desk, landed yeah. in his drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At home, Grace's mother and one of her kids ask her if she got her bonus and she tells them that she's drying her hair with it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then in the other room, the rest of the kids have t- turned Calvin into a tree. He looks even cuter than last year. Yeah. <laughs> Poor mute kid can't fight back. Yeah. I think he's okay with it. <laughs> no, he's time. very happy with it. I think if we turned our son into a tree, he would be thrilled. <laughs> oh, yeah. We should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what kids are for. Making the angel on top. The next day, one of Frank's funkies, a woman named Ted, asks Frank if he's seen the news. She shows him a newspaper with the headline, IPC kill old woman. Yeah. Okay. Ted is played by the late Mary Ellen Trainer. Do you guys recognize her? Uh, she you did have, look familiar. Brody, you've seen her on the pod before. Yeah, she definitely looks familiar. We saw her in the... Christmas-themed Tales from the Crypt episode and uh, All Through the Night, directed by Robert Zemeckis, yeah. who she was married to at the time. Yes, 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 yes. She's in a bunch of Richard Donner movies. Yeah, She's like in almost every Richard Donner movie and she's the mother in fucking Goonies and Monster Squad. Ah. Wow. Yeah. She's in all four Lethal Weapon movies. She's the psychiatrist. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. She's in Die Hard, Action Jackson, Ricochet, Cuffs, Death Becomes Her and Congo. Oh my God. Mary Ellen Trailer rules. She's one of those people. She shows up in a movie. I'm like, oh, it's you. Hi. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Awesome. Yeah. She and Frank are thrilled that this woman was scared to death by, by Frank's promo. Yeah. Like, start getting all touchy with each other. Like, it's turning them on. Yeah. They do weirdly flirt <laughs> throughout weirdly the whole. Flirt. And it's like not even brought no, to anyone's attention. Yeah. Ever. And then they're interrupted by Grace. They need him on set. Frank wants the promo played every half hour with a warning that if you have a heart condition, you yeah. need to leave the room. <laughs> Solid marketing, solid marketing. So this is a bigger plot. There's actually a bigger plot line in the in the screenplay. What, the dead lady? That was cut, yeah. And the and the backlash against the, the, de- uh, the dead lady. Uh, yeah. On set, the network censor and Frank argue that the costume of the solid gold dancer is inappropriate for a family show. I'm sorry, Mr. Cross. I am the censor, and I will not allow this costume on the air. Why not? Well, specifically, you can see her nipples. I want to see her nipples. But this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. Oh, you, can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. That's such a good line. One of those stagehands is Jack McGee. We saw him as a bartender in The Hidden. Yes. He's an ex-New York, uh, New York City firefighter. That's right. Turned actor that is then later in Rescue Me with Dennis, ah. Dennis Leary and he shows yeah. up in lots of stuff. He's also the carpenter that is working on the extension of the Murtock house in Lethal Weapon 2. Hey. Mm. Yes. Um, they beam the sensor with a lamppost. Oh, watch out. Ah. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. 
Get the nurse! Get the nurse! Make sure her nipples are covered up, will you? Someone calls out, Lumpy? Lumpy? And then Frank is like looking around, and it's Claire. She tried to call, but they said he was too busy, so she just showed up. Karen Allen! Hey! Yeah, I don't know her. <laughs> She's the star of Ghost in the Machine. Hey! Which we have covered on this podcast. Is she? Is that where I know her from? Yes. She's also Marion Ravenwood in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. It's a shame they never brought her back for any of the other movies. Oh, my God. She does look a little bit different in this. She looks exactly the same as she does in Ghost in the Machine. They're like two years apart. Yeah. Ghost in the Machine, I don't know. I knew she looked familiar. Well, it's the worst episode we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) That's just because we recorded remotely. But um, she did, yeah, she did look familiar, but that's not. Like, because I've only seen that movie once, I didn't. You don't couldn't, know. Couldn't yeah, place couldn't her. Place you don't her. recognize her from Indiana Jones, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. No. I haven't seen that in a very, very long yeah, time. So she's in the, the first one of those movies. Right. I feel like Indies, they're Christmas Indies movies, Indies. but they're not. And she never they're appeared not. in any of the other Indiana Jones movies. That sucks. She is amazing. She did. She, she did. No, she, she did. Oh, the most she recent did. one. She's in the last two, and those movies don't exist in this dojo. There's another new one? Yeah, Dial Destiny came out this year. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Was it good? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. She's a, that's why I lost interest. She tells him it sounded like he had seen a ghost. She was worried about him, which is why she shut up. Animal Wrangler, uh, an animal wrangler comes over and tells him that they have a problem. The antlers won't stay on the dormice. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We've tried crazy glue, but it don't work. Have you tried staples? Staples? Don't you dare. She's horrified. Frank spots and starts yelling at Calvin. Who are you? <laughs> He's just so fucking nuts in this movie. Grace runs over and grabs him. This is my little boy. Like he and doesn't just Bill, like. And then Bill Murray says, all right, then you beat him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Again, just one and definitely an antler. Yeah. I love how it's just like not even like. Oh, strange child. What are you doing on set? Get off set. It's like he found this kid hiding behind a wall and like grabs him out. Like, what are you doing here? Claire asks him why he's so angry. And he never answers. We find out that she never married and that he's not with anybody. Then there's a lot of hammering that starts to irritate him. The hammering cracks me up. <laughs> him just getting increasingly more pissed off. The animal wrangler. But also go somewhere and talk. Yeah. I love business like this in a movie. It feels like very um, Commedia dell'arte or like slapsticky yeah. where there's like things going on. It's like clearly you can fix your own it's, situation. This is what I talk, when, when I talk about this movie being a mess, it's stuff like this. Like there is just... Just infinite amount of business. Yeah, like every scene is just chaos, and I understand that if that you're not on that way, on that wavelength, that this could be like very irritating for you. It was all over the place. This is why, like, I don't know why I enjoyed watching it, and I know that it's a mess, mm. but I really enjoyed watching it at the same time. Yeah. She's trying to find out what happened last night. She gives him a card for her office. She works at a homeless shelter and ends up leaving. Grace has the times on the phone for a response from Frank to the woman's death. Well, we slapped her in the face and got her attention. It was probably something she ate. He said that it was probably something that she oh, ate. Gee. Oh, This is Frank Cross. We at IBC are shocked and appalled by the senseless tragedy. Coming as it does at this season of giving... Would you please hold the goddamn hammering now? You got it. Ah! 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 
His I'm overreaction gone. is just so insane. Yeah. Frank screams for the hammering to stop, and it does. Part of the set collapses, and part of it hits the sensor, who's now in a wheelchair. I love that. She's, yeah, I like that. I forgot who she was halfway through those bits of her getting hit. <laughs> like, she just gets more and more covered by bandages. Yeah. Cut from the screenplay is that Ted comes back and tells Frank that they have a serious problem. There are 300 protesters downstairs. They are upset about the woman dying from seeing the promo. And Frank tells her to say that they fired the executive who was responsible for that promo and he blames Elliot Loudermilk. Ah. Uh, right. I didn't I didn't catch that. Well, it's not in the movie, that's what I'm saying. It's oh quite, right. <laughs> I miss that. I'm gonna say things that come out of the movie and then and then they're not in the movie. <laughs> it's just usually how it works. <laughs> Frank goes to lunch with Preston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I the think that Kian might kill you before we end this podcast. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Here's a knife for your throat. <laughs> At lunch with Preston, the waiter, Kira. The waiter? The head waiter? Mm. Oh, my God, really? You need to rewatch what, this. What's the movie. action? What's the action that no, I no, might no. remember? The waiter that's interacting with, with Frank. It's Tony Stedman. It's Socrates from Bill and Ted. Socrates! Oh, man. I did know that that was someone. It's Socrates from Bill I and could, Ted. I didn't place him. I didn't because no. he it's, wasn't wearing a toga. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't Socrates. wearing a toga and playing with a Nerf football. How else would I know who he is? Socrates. It's Socrates. <laughs> I love Socrates. We know that you love Socrates. <laughs> he comes over to the table and takes away, again, the fucking infinite business. He comes over and takes away the cutlery that's in front of Preston. Yeah. And then Preston takes his own cutlery out of his jacket and starts polishing it with a napkin. Yeah. <laughs> like he carries his own fucking cutlery. And then Bill Murray copies him. He starts polishing his cutlery. Yeah. <laughs> Just, why? Just, for, just, just business. Just so that on the fucking 10 millionth time you've seen this movie, you notice that for the first time, which is what happened it's to me watching thing. this movie. It's not just like, like there's business everywhere because Bill Murray is like ad-libbing. There is just business everywhere. Every actor has is doing Duff. something. Yeah. Even even Socrates is like fucking chewing scenery in this, yeah. in this scene when he's on screen for like three minutes. Um, Preston asks how rehearsals for Scrooge are going. Everything's fine. We'll be cutting back and forth between Scrooge and our studio, Leroy, ne- Leroy Neiman painting the Berlin Wall, That's and the right. Holy Father blessing the entire Zulu nation. It's going to be the largest baptism of all time. That's right. Oh, even the things he's listing are insane. I would like to uh, register a complaint. You want to <laughs> register? Okay, sure. There's larger baptisms. <laughs> like I would know that. <laughs> No, because they say at the beginning of the movie where that that's going to be from all of these different places, and, and they and name the a place in Finland. They name Helsinki. That is not where Santa is from. He is from Lapland. Okay. So if you they were going to do time. a Christmas special, one of the places should have been Lapland. Okay, uh, you are correct. The international portion was cut out of the screenplay. Ah. So, they, they, like, they keep that bit because it's in the promo that was pre-recorded. Yeah. But then, as they're making the movie, there is there is a subplot. Specifically, that involves the Berlin Wall that was cut out. Ah, which I'll talk about later. Did they? I mean, uh, how could they fit more in this? I know. How could you? Fuck me! How long is this movie? It's ninety-seven minutes. Did they film it and then cut it in the edit? I think it was a two-hour movie originally. They filmed the Berlin Wall stuff. I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have any answers for you. I feel like if you go to the budgetary um, lengths to go and shoot the Berlin Wall. 
You use it, don't you? Surely you don't have to. You could just put people you next to the wall. You just build a wall. Yeah. Any wall. Yeah. Preston tells Frank that he's worried that he's spreading himself too thin, so he's taking the liberty of hiring somebody to work with you. And then it's Bryce. Yeah. Uh, Bryce orders a Pellegrino Rocks twist, which in 1998 makes him the biggest douchebag in the world. Right, okay. It's like, it's just fancy. It's just it's a sparkling water, man. <laughs> Bryce is there to take the burden off his shoulders. The clock strikes 12, and then Frank begins laughing at like a madman when nothing happens. Because he thinks he's the ghost, he, right? No, no, no. And then he points at Bryce because he thinks it's a prank that Bryce has pulled on him to fuck with him. Because uh, he knows Bryce from... He's met him previously. Yeah, because I thought he thought he was the ghost no, of Christmas no, 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 past. No, no, no. I mean, at this point, surely he doesn't think that there's going to be ghosts. He doesn't think it's real. <gasps> right. He's like, I got you. It's 12 o'clock. Oh. Okay, that makes way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> the waiter returns, Socrates returns with their drinks and Frank's has a human eyeball in it. He starts screaming, but nobody else can see it. Yeah. And then, and then Socrates is like, do you want me to take that away, sir? <laughs> At one point I was like, they're all seeing the eye. No, they're like, not. Like this is the, like there are parts where it like kind of feels like he is going mad. Oh yeah. I think he is. Yeah. Well, he the, can see an eyeball in a drink yeah, that's not yeah, there. So yeah. yeah, he is going insane, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Preston tells him not to come apart on him. There is so much business fucking here with Socrates about, no, no, so that's the Meatloaf, you don't want that. Where they're like ordering while Frank is like murmuring and <laughs> screaming and stuff. Bobby, Bobby, look! Somebody save him! Oh no, that's a baked Alaska, sir. That's, no, that's a dessert. You wouldn't want that, sir. Ah! Ah! Oh no, 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 sir. That gentleman had meatloaf. You, you wouldn't want that, sir. It's not very. It's, it's full of. Frank sees a weight up on fire. No, sir, that's a baked Alaska. That's right. <laughs> that's right. He ends up <laughs> like he's fully just spiraling. <laughs> he ends up running over and dumping water on the waiter that he thinks is on fire. It's a pretty nice stunt burn. Yeah. But he wasn't on fire. Frank apologizes and says, You know, I thought you were Richard Pryor. Oh my God, is so fucking dark. Clearly an improv. In 1980, Richard Pryor, in the midst of a freebasing cocaine binge while making the movie Stir Crazy, doused himself in high-proof rum and set himself on fire. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That is yeah, such that a is deep cut. So dark. dark yeah. <laughs> and then Bill Murray just falls over. He slips and falls over, which just happened because oh, they had the cleaned water. up the water from the previous takes. <laughs> Fuck. And so they just kept it. Yeah. Is yeah, he recovers that well to make yeah. it a take though. I will say well, like the, that's the, a professional, you know. The waiter that his doused in water react to him falling down. Yeah. That's gold. Yeah. Um is it like it might just be dawning on me now and it's something very clear <laughs> really? to you guys. It might just be dawning. But is like Bill Murray's comedy like always very topical? I'll, or is it just me? I don't necessarily think so i think yeah maybe he I makes quick casual references he, he clearly, to things that are happening i mean ad lib would make sense to be like that yeah it's true like stuff that's popping into your head is likely to be topical yeah. true and like watch ghostbusters again he is never on script 
He's yeah, fucking around okay. the entire time. Okay. <laughs> he thinks that, no, no, here's the thing about Ghostbusters. He thinks it's a piece of shit and nobody's ever going to see it. Oh, so he's just really? Fucking, he's just fucking around. See, it seemed to me like it was just four buds hanging out. It is, but he's having a good time. Like, yeah, that, right. Like he's because he his, thinks it doesn't he's matter. He's making his own fun. Do you think Dan Aykroyd has fun with him or he hates him? I don't know. I don't know how these two guys get, get along. I Dan Aykroyd's like, Dan Aykroyd's like, no, but the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, Straight man, straight man, straight man, almost, but like not a straight man where Chevy Chase is just like, I don't give a fuck for your like comedy stereotypes. I'm just going to throw things at the wall. Yeah, Chevy Chase. Let's not talk about Chevy Chase. (laughs) We've been going for an hour and a half and we haven't gotten to the first ghost yet. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Frank leaves to get some air. He calls for a cab. And as one is pulling up to him, another one backs into frame. Yeah. This is great. It's an older cab. He ends up getting in that one. And the cab is very festive. It's decorated with tinsel and all kinds of things. The cabbie drives wildly, U-turns, takes out a marquee and causes chaos, almost causes a bunch of accidents. The driver turns to Frank and tells him to relax. And then he says, how do you know my name? And then he's like, I know absolutely everything, Frank. You see, I'm the ghost. <laughs> And they cut to the cabbie's license and it reads Ghost of Christmas. Yes. <laughs> the cab doors lock on their own. The cabbie asks if he minds if he smokes and then blows smoke out of his ears. Yeah. Leans out of the cab and steals a bottle out of Elliot Loudermilk's hand yeah. <laughs> and then disappears into a cloud of venting New York steam. He hits the meter and we back to the future to 1955. That's right. So clean this. Where are we? You mean when are we? <laughs> Classic. Hitting all the tropes. They go through a truck. Go back to Jersey, you moron. (laughs) Frank says, take me home. And the cabbie says, you got it, pal. Who is the cabbie? I was waiting for that. I was going to do it in a second, but the cabbie is proto-punk rock icon. David Johansson of the band The New York Dolls. Oh, I okay. have no idea who this is. That personality question, you gotta wow, it was hard. The that's what you got. got. We listened to a little bit of New York Dolls, so if I played a New York Dolls song, I'd probably already cut into the episode. You would know that. You'd be like, oh, that, that guy. Person- oh, that guy. Personality crisis. You know, so, no, I listen to so much music, you have no idea. And, <laughs> um, and I don't do titles. <laughs> in the 80s, he released music as as Buster Poindexter, and then he also became an actor. He is in, after this, he's in one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, Let It Ride with Richard Dreyfuss. Do you remember that movie? That sounds familiar. I'm having a very good day. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus goes on here. Yeah, we've seen that trailer. Richard yeah. Dreyfus goes on the run of his life. Oh a, yeah, uh, betting on betting on horses. Yeah, that, that does movie? sound familiar. David Johansson yeah. plays one of his mate, mates in that in that movie. This dude had a weird look. He has a very strange look. He yeah. hasn't. He's just. It's just his look. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's in a lot of makeup. To answer your question from before, he's in a lot of he's in a lot of makeup. Okay, but he but also he still just, has a bit of a also a strange look. looking dude. That's yeah, why awesome. you cast him in this role. Though. Yeah, yeah. I love him. Okay. He's so good. I actually think he's my favorite of the ghosts. Of the ghosts? Oh, oh it's, a real t- it's real tough. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe that one or the first one? The one with the golf ball. Lou, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So um, they stop in front of Frank's childhood home. It's Christmas Eve. There's a uh, station wagon out front that says cross meets, which <laughs> is important. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve and his house is the only one on the street with no lights decorating it. <laughs> Which he's like, he's like, oh, dad hasn't put up the lights uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> Frank. Does that mean that he uh, used to put up lights at some point? No, or I think he's no. covering. He's, 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 he's just covering. Yeah. Up. yeah. Frank is like, I get, I get it. it. 
You're taking me back in time to show me my mother and father, and I'm supposed to get all goosey and blubbery. Well, forget it, pal. You got the wrong guy. That's exactly what Adela Dahan said. But when he saw his mother, Niagara Falls. Uh, the cabbie goes through the door, but then when Frank tries, he bumps into the door. <laughs> Such good, he sticks his, good business. sticks his head back through and says, I love that bit. <laughs> Inside, Frank tells the cabbie to be quiet, although call the cops. And then the cabbie explains they can't hear or see us. It's not live. It's like a rerun. And we see that little Frank is sitting right in front of the TV in absolute awe as he's switching channels. His father comes in. He's brought him a Christmas gift. Here, Francis. I've got something for you. Merry Christmas. A choo-choo train? No, it's five pounds of veal. But Daddy, I have Santa for choo-choo. Well, then go out and get a job and buy a choo-choo. Ah, Earl, he's only four years old. All day long, I listen to people give excuses why they can't work. My back hurts, my legs ache. I'm only four. Soon he learns that life isn't given to you on a silver platter, the better. He wanted a choo-choo. <laughs> Frank's father is played by Brian Doyle Murray. Ah. Another one of Bill Murray's brothers. <laughs> That's He's mad. also in Wayne's World. Oh, okay. He's the uh, arcade owner in Wayne's World. Oh, uh, yeah, yep. okay. He's in lots of stuff. His mother, who's pregnant with his younger brother James, yeah. leaves, and then, of course, adult Frank starts crying. It is a very... Oh, it's just this scene is so well put together because it's just like it's a weirdly bizarre dark mm-hmm. like family history where it's like the face of it it's like oh you're getting veal for Christmas like so fucking silly so dumb so dumb Wait, but it it's like to like, illustrate the like dark point of like the father like didn't care it, about him there's a line <laughs> there's, a, there's a callback line later that yeah. is like so subtle that okay. I laugh my ass okay. off at but outside he claims to be crying because of the gift of veal and how <laughs> I was touched by a gift. A four-year-old kid receives what in today's marketplace is a 40 or $50 piece of milk-fed veal. Uh, the cabbie tells him that he spent the next 15 years watching TV. Frank tells him to check the record, and he starts recounting a bunch of stuff he did as a kid, but the cabbie points out every single time that it was all kids in other TV shows. I was a baseball player. One year I hit the home run that won the big game. That was the kid on the courtship of Eddie's father. There was another time, though, that I was running down a hillside that was covered with flowers, and there was a beautiful girl, like 15, with pigtails, and she was waiting for me, and her parents didn't know she snuck out of the house. pathetic! That was the little house on the prairie! Was it the homecoming episode, Little House? Yes, it was the homecoming episode, Little House. I feel like I've got that syndrome. (laughs) And I love, I love... He, uh, the cabbies in in absolute indignance of that was Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, such an obvious one. You should know yeah. it's not your life. Garden Slog's got more out of life than he did. Frank demands to be taken back to his office and the cabbie does. Takes him to a Christmas party in 1968. A woman, Tina, is Xeroxing her ass and giving out copies. Is this what parties used to be like in the 80s? Well, the 60s, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's in the shape of a heart. (laughs) We see a live Lou, and he ends up talking to mailroom Frank, who is still working even with the party going on around him. Mm. Tina asks him if he wants to go get Chinese food, and he tells her not to eat that for quite a few casually racist reasons. Yeah. 
Frank then screams at himself for missing his shot. And the cabbie tells him that he it wasn't that one that he missed. Mm. Cut to them watching young Frank get beamed by a door. Opening it is Claire. They meet cute and then bump heads a few times. She calls him lumpy because of the lump on his head. Mm. Uh. Yeah. She invites him to get Chinese food. And then they jump forward to Frank and Claire on another Christmas Eve where she's in a bath smoking a joint, which that's hot. Yeah. <laughs> that's hot, that's hot behavior. Mm. That's I'm down with that. Can stop looking directly into my eyes while you okay. say that to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> Frank wants to open presents and she tells him that in her family, you can open one on Christmas Eve and the rest the next morning. She asked him if that's what his family did. And he says, yeah, unless they were going to spoil. And then, we opened, and then we opened them all. That's the callback. Yeah, that's uh, fucking that brilliant. Good, yeah. it's just, I didn't even pick that up. That's so, so clean. It's so much fun. We do that Christmas tradition at, we do that at, Christmas at, our, tradition. at our house. We oh. do one Christmas. You get one gift on Christmas Eve. Eve. I, I, I didn't do that growing up. Can introduce that. We did that. When is this part coming out? We didn't do that. We didn't do that. Before Christmas. Ah, damn it. We didn't spoil Ellie's Christmas presents. No, no, no. We didn't. Um, We didn't do that in my family, but I always wanted to do that. <laughs> and so, now yeah. so in our family, I've had years where we have and haven't, and be, having it taken away mm. hurts. <laughs> he gives her her present. She opens it, and it's knives. <laughs> Ginsu, they can cut cans, you know. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I mean, I wouldn't cans. sneeze so, at that as a gift. <laughs> as a kid, so many fucking movies mentioned Ginsu knives. Yeah, that I just, yeah. they were so famous. Yeah. They were so famous because of their um, hard sell info commercials that I just assumed that everybody else had Ginsu's and we didn't. <laughs> In Japan, the hand can be used like a knife. But this method doesn't work with a tomato. That's why we use the Ginsu. It's a knife that no kitchen should be without. The Ginsu can cut a slice of bread so thin you can almost see through it. It cuts meat better than an electric knife and goes through frozen food as though it were melted butter. The Ginsu is so sharp it can cut through a tin can and still slice a tomato like this. It can chop wood and still remain razor sharp. What's more, it's a knife that will last forever. How much would you pay for a knife like this? Before you answer, listen. It even comes with a matching fork to make carving a pleasure. Wait, there's much, much more. We also want you to have this six-in-one kitchen tool. It peels and slivers carrots, peels potatoes, and slices paper-thin potato chips. This amazing little knife even grates carrots, grates cheese, and makes beautiful decorative vegetables. How much would you pay for all these items? Well, we'll even give you this set of six precision steak knives. The handles even match the Ginsu. And to make the offer completely irresistible, you'll get this unique spiral slicer. Down and down, around and around, and you'll have a beautiful garnish for your dinner table. Now how much would you pay? You get the Ginsu knife, the matching carving fork, the versatile six-in-one kitchen tool, a set of six steak knives, and the spiral slicer. You get them all, guaranteed in writing for 50 years, for only $9.95. It's the most incredible knife offer ever. <laughs> That's so true. I didn't understand why we didn't. Mom, why don't we have Ginsu's? Because <laughs> everybody has Ginsu knives. Fuck. We didn't have Ginsu knives. Did you have Ginsu knives? I, they're I still, wouldn't have known. They're still around. <laughs> yeah. They still make them. Are they still are they actually good knives? It slices, it dices, it makes french fries in three different sizes. <laughs> it's, actually so a line, good. it's actually a line from another movie. Uh, that's so good. Yes, friends, the new Turbo Ginsu. Oh, it dices, it slices, and yet makes french fries in three different Whoops. 
<laughs> I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think about it? She gives him his present. It's a hardcover of the Kama Sutra with an inscription in Sanskrit. He tells her not to blow the ending for him. <laughs> and then they done that, did this, did this. They're really cute together. Oh, yeah. actually, actually kind of real. They don't have a lot of, there's not a lot of time in the movie to establish them yeah. as a couple for it to be clear for any reason why she would be into him. What's um, great. But they're really good in the scene together. What I love is, and you guys may disagree, but I feel like a loved one smoking a joint in a bath is like a shorthand for such relaxed, casual love. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? It's that It's that kind of like, um. yeah, it feels very new. It feels yeah. like new love. Yeah. Right? And it's like halcyon days. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. where- it's like it, Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Frank. Am I going to find you two in a bath with a joint later? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't hate it's it. Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Stop picturing it. <laughs> scrubbing, scrubbing each other's backs. Time marches on. On the set of the TV show Frisbee the Dog, Yeah, the mailman. The mailman is from Total Recall. I didn't write down that actor's name, but he's the guy that, that, um, that sells Total Recall in Total Recall. Oh, not nah. yep. miss that entirely. <laughs> There's the, it's a kid's show. So uh, Frisbee has got a present. It's a, yeah. it's a bone with a bow on it, but Frisbee doesn't know what his present is. So the kids are all yelling, it's a bone. The cabbie yelling, it's a bone. <laughs> you can't figure it out, can you, Frisbee? It's a bone, you lucky dog. <laughs> it's a bone, you betcha. It's a yeah. bone, you lucky dog. <laughs> 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 Oh my God. There's something hidden in plain sight in this scene ah. that I'm guessing that neither of you would have. Nah. On the background of the Frisbee set is a tree, a painted tree with a love heart with an arrow through it. Oh, I did see that. Right. Did you see what the inscription inside the love heart said? Dick loves. Dick plus Lauren. Lauren. Richard Donner, Lauren Shula Donner. Aww. Dick plus Lauren. It says a little love note. To his wife, hidden in his movie. Oh, that's no, very sweet. That. The show goes to commercial. Did they? Did they stay together? Yeah, they, they were together until he passed. Yeah. Very good. The show goes to commercial. Frisbee takes off his head. It's young Frank. Yeah. Uh, Lou, who's alive, is flirting with a production assistant and invites her to dinner with Frank and Claire. He tells her. Uh, he goes and tells Claire, but they have plans with friends because it's Christmas Eve. He ends up getting pissy with her. He's been fighting for the integrity of the show, and this is his big opportunity. Yeah, I, I kind of got to side with him at this point. Like, it's it's the point in the film. No, look, what? I hear what? you. What? I hear you. But, like, this is his big professional break, and this is Christmas with friends that they are clearly very close with. Surely they can go, okay, this the one The whole year. movie is about the fact that Frank always chooses work and his career advancement. Yeah, over. okay, he always does it. Yeah, okay, true. True, but if this is like your big career break. It's you, not his big career break. Okay. It's, dinner with, it's dinner with the head of the network. But that's how he got to where he is now, right? Yeah, maybe, okay. I guess I didn't realise how important it is to you. Well, I'm willing to forgive you once in a while, I am. Frank, look, maybe we should separate for a while. Excuse me. Estelle, yeah? when is that limo leaving? Oh, right after the show. You know how he is. For a while and see how it goes. I mean, I, I know you've been under a lot of pressure. Well, it's been rough. 
All right, I'll try to come over later if I can. 15 seconds. I'll tell him that you got hung up. Bumpy? He's not registering how important yeah, yeah. this is. And then yeah. the stage door closes on her as she says Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's nice. Um, very very nice, very sad. Mm. Um, Al Frank admits that he made a few mistakes, but he knows who he is and what he wants. And then, fantastic transition. Did you guys spot this transition? Nah. Oh, okay, so um, the cabbie disappears, and then we see the cabbie on a TV hanging above the audience on the set of Frisbee. Yeah, I did notice that. We cut to Frank and then we cut back to the TV. The cabbie says so long and drives away in the television to reveal behind him the set of Scrooge rehearsing as oh. the camera pulls out and we are on the set of Scrooge. Oh. That yeah. is clean. I didn't even pay attention yeah. to that. It's all done in cuts. It's just really clever. It's just really good, well planned out. That's a yeah. shame I didn't recognize that. Yeah. yeah. The actress playing Belle in Scrooge who is Scrooge's fiancée, has on-screen dialogue about making poor choices. And then Frank rants at her <laughs> about, <laughs> about, don't tell me what I've done with my life as he leaves the set. <laughs> in the script, he wakes up in a subplot that's cut from the movie <laughs> where instead he's in his office with his psychiatrist and he uh, watches what's happening on set via a monitor in his in, in his office. Uh, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of bits with the psychiatrist that are gone. The psychiatrist isn't play. even in it. I, I don't think they ever shot I feel ever, bad for whoever played them. that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they ever shot, shot okay. it. Elliot's life is get, just getting better and better. He's donated some blood for cash. That's right. I've and then he, Elliot again. And then he passes out in some in some trash and gets rolled. <laughs> well, Frank Frank is ranting as he walks past him, and then yeah, he gets robbed of his yeah. coat. <laughs> he just got some money, and then he passes out and gets rolled. Yeah. <laughs> Frank is ranting so much that he rants all the way inside to the homeless shelter. You left. You had to go somewhere and get your head together or something. Well, baby, my head is just fine. Check it out. It's right here where it belongs. What's the point? It's lonely at the top? It's not lonely at the top. Oh, maybe around my birthday and at sunset. And then in a couple of weekends, it would have raised out with even a really normal person. But that's me. I'm a, I'm a widow of business. That's my life. I've chosen it. At least I work someplace that you can find when you're looking for it. Okay, here we are now. When I want a wife, I'm gonna buy one. And she's gonna be devoted to me, to my wants and my needs. Not like you. Let's face it, you treated me like dirt. Oh, Lord, another wild and woolly one. Honey, you look froze. And he's mistaken for a homeless man. <laughs> That's right. So he put a blanket on him, and then he falls in with some drunks, including a guy with a pocket watch. Who calls him Dick. Yes. Is that a reference? Yes, because he thinks he's Richard Burton. Oh, Actor Richard Burton. I didn't- Damn it. No, you didn't get it. I didn't get it. You didn't get it. In a second, I'll explain why in a second. (laughs) The woman in that group is Anne Ramsey, Mama Fratelli from the Goonies. Oh. 
this is her last role. She passed away before the movie before the movie came out. Aww. And the other guy is her husband, who is also a character character. Uh, yeah. So um, is is Richard Donner a kind of guy who keeps his crew around him? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. He worked with the same people. Like all the Lethal Weapon movies are kind of like a family. Like it's the same crew. crew Love crew, that. All, all of those, all of those movies. They kept. You can tell those movies. The the kids from the first movie come back in the fourth movie, which is more than ten more than ten years later, right? right? Because Richard Donner, you, you can make that movie. You could say they all went off to college. You don't have to pay them. Yeah, Richard Donner gets them to come back and be in scenes when they're yeah. just in the background in the background and stuff, right? I love because, that because because that's the kind of guy Richard Don, Richard Donner is. Love that. Any other movie they would recast those fucking kids. All those kids, they get to find a reason for those kids not to be in the movie. Yeah. They think he's Richard Burton. They mistake him for the actor Richard Burton, the homeless people. Right. Richard Burton is a famous actor from the from The, from the, the name sounds 1950s. familiar. They ask him to do some lines from Hamlet or Cleopatra. Why do you keep calling me Dick? I'm sorry, Mr. Burton. Maybe we don't know you well enough to call you Dick. But after Exodus 2 and Night of the Iguana, we thought we had something special. So could please just do a couple of lines from Hamlet, please. Or the sandpiper. Leave me alone. Do Cleopatra for me, please, dear. Please do it. Please, do it for Eva. Yeah, for Eva. I am all kind of nobody in here coming out of me for me. All those who get over the whole matter, listen here. You know, the really, my whole night full of cheer. I swear, by the I forswear. Now beat it before right. I- Sure, now that makes sense. So I was so confused by this as a child. I, I was Thank as confused you. as Brody is right now. Thank you. He does some lines. I am. He does a weird voice. I am Mark Anthony. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah. Apparently there is an SNL skit where uh, Bill Murray does an impersonation of Richard Burton, and so this is kind of a callback to an SNL to an SNL. Right. Skit. But so at the very, time, it was probably something people got. I think even at the time, it's a bizarre bit. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, Richard Burton famously was um, had an affair with Elizabeth Taylor. Okay. It destroyed both of their marriages. Yep, yep, yep. Right. And then they ended up and then they ended up together. Again, that's important for, important for, for later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. not really important. It's just anyway. Claire spots him and they talk. He tells her that it happened again. He's been thinking about the past and what would have happened if he made different decisions. And she tells him it's never too never too late. Why does she tell him it's never too late? Mm-hmm. I don't because know. I think needs, she needs, genuinely loves him. What about him is appealing? Yeah. The person who he was before he went all was he was he really that nice or was he was a strange man that got meat for Christmas? <laughs> he was trying to make a children's show. Okay. Remember, like he had some person before he that. wants to take her for Chinese food, but two volunteers need her help. Uh, the turkeys haven't shown up, and the, there's a problem with the fuses. He tries to get her to blow them off, and then he gets insistent. You don't have to call them; these are big girls, very big girls, and they can do it. At a girl. I'll be right. I'll be right there. I'll no, be- clear. Please fire these people. Fire them. Yeah, you fire them. They're volunteers. They're here out of the kindness of their heart. They're volunteers because no one will pay them. They are incompetent. It's Christmas Eve. They're like this every day of the year. I guarantee it. Look, if you just just wait one minute, I just got to make the phone call. No, just, don't bother. Don't bother, okay? If, we, if you just wait one minute, let me just finish organizing what I'm doing. I'll come with you, Frank. Take the rest of your life. I'm going to give you some advice, Claire. Scrape them off. You want to save somebody? Save yourself. Oh, well, that's a wonderful attitude to have on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. It's funny the way that her character does react. It's almost like she goes into, like, oh, you need someone. You're falling apart. Yeah, that's... I mean, I... 
I would buy that if she had more to do because she has so little to do. Yeah. I don't yeah. think this movie does. I don't think this movie treats Karen Allen very, very well. I don't think her character is is treated with is given anything to do other than to be there yeah. for Frank to have a love interest at the end. It's almost there like, is a, what I will sorry. say is I kind of agree that this movie goes very, very far. And then expects you to expects you to buy the ending, yeah, right. And I think that it goes too far for the for it for its ending. The ending is the most out of place thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get, I mean, we'll get to that when we get. It's to out it. of pocket, yeah. And I I think one of the reasons that that happens is because it is an adaptation of source material that has that ending. True. Right. True. They have yep. to get to that ending. Yeah, they do. You're yeah, right. but they could have put more in it to yeah. make it make sense. Yeah, the they two really hour just needed movie. to. They really just needed to show more of them being cutesy in love before he fucks thing. up. Yeah. It feels like it's or, a relationship that happened him, recently, or for him to have any redeeming qualities. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> but it feels like a relationship that happened in their recent part, where it's clearly a relationship well, that happened in years. yeah, that happened fifteen years ago. You know, where there's it feels like something that's recent, where there's lingering feelings. Not like something where we've lived separate lives. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. As he leaves, Herman, the uh, homeless man, asks him for a few bucks to heat his place, and Frank tells him he blew it all on Liz, Elizabeth Taylor. I didn't hear the to heat my place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Back at IBC, it's the last dress rehearsal. The show caller is Stephen Kahan or Kahan. I, I can never. I, I've only ever seen his name written, so I don't know how to pronounce it. Sure. He's Richard Donner's cousin. Ah. He looks exactly like Richard Donner. In fact, I'm sure that I have thought he was Richard Donner before. Uh-huh. And he plays Reason Murtaugh's captain in all the Lethal Weapon movies. Mm. This is a family movie. That's mad. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah. Bryce has just taken over running the show. <laughs> he calls for dinner. It's Frank's necessary. like, I call the mill breaks. Yeah. Uh, everybody come back. Frank wants to say something. <laughs> yeah, the most undermining thing yeah. a person could do. He th- Frank thinks it's time they had a little talk, but Bryce has been invited for drinks with Preston, so he has to take a rain, tra- a rain check. Frank is alone on the stage and all the lights start to turn off. A spotlight snaps on and we find a woman dressed as Glenda the Good Witch yep. from Wizard of Oz yeah. next to a sign that says the ball breaker suite. Yeah. <laughs> the nutcracker suite. Yeah. She dances around as bubbles float through the air and then floats over, kicks him in the junk. I was all about this ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, and Brody, that is Carol Kane. Oh, okay. Dog Day Afternoon, The Muppet Movie, Jumpin' Jack Flash, The Princess Bride, License to Drive. She is Grandmama in the Adams Family Values. Luxor, Luxor, burst and burn! What is she doing? Just a goose. Have a nice day. We harmonised again. I love when we do it. She's incredible in this movie. Um, She's one of those people who look familiar and I know I know her from somewhere, but I Also heaps of TV. I guarantee you've seen her in The name is also, it's one of those names you hear. Yeah. 
Um, so she took over the role of Grandma Ma in Adam's Family Values. She's not Grandma Ma in the, fir- in the first movie. Yeah. But she's so fucking funny as an old woman. I can't believe I forgot about this ghost. This is the best ghost. <laughs> this is the best ghost. No, the cabbie's the best ghost when it's happening. And then she's the best ghost when she's happening. Yeah. yeah true. <laughs> true. She just beats the shit out of him through her whole appearance. Yeah. It is so funny. It cracks me up so hard. She really is like I- crack. Tinkerbell. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then again, something that was so confusing as a child. She asks him to close his eyes and he won't do it. So she hits him. And then they're fucking around. They do a Three Stooges bit. Yeah. It feels so slapsticky. Yeah. And then she blows glitter onto him that forms an X, gets a run up, and then floats a right hook at him that knocks him to Harlem. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's amazing. She fucks him up a bit. So good. Yeah. Apparently, Carol Kane. Bill Murray wanted to be really hit. Carol yeah. Kane was like, like I, I don't want to do this to you. He's like, no, make me feel it. She pulled on his lip so hard that they had to stop filming for two days because it, it blew up on him. Because it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, yeah, nah, slap me. I want to be able to say that I was yeah. slapped by Carol King, you know? She tells her that if she touches him again, he'll pull her wings off. And her response is, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> She's so good. She kills it. I love her so much. Yeah, she she is wide eyed and fucking crazy. They watch through a window of the uh, of the Cooley apartment. Uh, Grace's family. They watch Calvin, and we find out that he hasn't said anything since he saw his father killed five years ago. Oh, uh, that that being the reason for it, I remember hitting me like on. Yeah, that's a dark reason for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? You will also see. There's also some like there's trauma, and then there's trauma. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah. You also see in in Grace's apartment, almost everywhere there is free South Africa posters. Oh, which is which is Richard Donner being a political activist in his movies because okay. he was very anti-apartheid in South Africa. In oh. fact, in Lethal Weapon Two, there is an there is a the oh, villains yeah, are, South, are South African. It's so weird to me because like I was born when I was born, so I just don't think about that happening anywhere close to my I remember, lifetime. I remember when it all changed and what a big deal it was. And I remember what a big deal it was when South Africa were allowed to play sport again. Wow. In international competition. Frank says he didn't know Grace's husband had died. The ghost is like, she wore black for a year and Frank thought it was a fashion thing. <laughs> oh yeah. For him not to realize is so fucked up. The, and then just more like infinite business. Yeah. The Inside the family are like, they give, they're like tickling one of the other kids and they give him raspberries and then, and then the Ghost gives Frank a raspberry yeah. on, his, yeah. on his chest. Yeah. And that becomes a thing. It, it does. does become a thing. They move to his brother James's Christmas party. On the Adams family, what musical instrument did Lurch play? Oh. On, on, on the Adams family, what musical instrument did Lurch play? Piano. I may be invisible, but I'm not deaf! Okay, okay, we're going to say piano. piano. Harpsichord. Harpsichord. A harpsichord, James, you go. Oh, you know that. Everybody knows that. The guy asking the questions is Joel Murray. It's a family One of movie. his other brothers. You know Bill Murray's one of nine, right? Are I they all that. in this movie? All the, all the boys are. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, love think all the, I think all the boys are. Any of the girls? I don't think so. No. Tell you what's funny, the Christmas scene with his brothers feels like they actually love and care for him. Like, I can't explain it any other better way. James's wife or, or partner is Wendy Malick. She was David Hasselhoff's ex-wife in Baywatch. Oh. And she is Nina Van Horn in the sitcom Just Shoot Me. It is too. Oh, 
I love her. She I knew is, her. I knew that. Yeah, she's nice. one of like my all time like looking respectfully. Oh, she's really? fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Right. Okay. yeah. They open Frank's present, and it is in fact a VCR, not a towel. <laughs> Frank is pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> they do a toast to his brother, and James says he wishes he was here. And then the next question is, what is the name of the boat in Gilligan's Island? No one knows. Frank knows. Do either of you know? Just trying to th- remember the song. They say it in the. They, they answer the question later in the movie. Yeah, yeah, they do. No, no. It's SS Minnow. Ah, oh, that's right. It's time to go. Frank wants to stay. He wants to stay and be with his with his yeah. family. And then Carol Kane beats Carol Kane beats the snot out of him with a toaster. That's right. <laughs> he falls and lands in a steam maintenance tunnel under a street. Another one of his best improvs. Oh, this is nice. Where are we, Trump Tower? <laughs> Which is like fantastic because even in 1998, Trump was a joke in New York City. Yeah, <laughs> fucking dirty slime ball. Yeah, it's so cold down there that there are icicles coming from the grating. He yells, uh, tries to yell up to people on walking above him on the sidewalk, and then he finds Herman frozen and dead. This was so sad. Yeah. And then it's, I don't know why this affected me so much, but it was yeah. so sad. It is really. It is yeah. really. As a kid, I was like really upset, but really upset by this. I and kept then, expecting him to like talk and be like a ghost, but yeah. then he didn't. And then Bill Murray is like, maybe I should have given you that two bucks. Huh? I know yeah. that's so dark. And then he yells at this corpse, saying that he should have stayed with Claire, and he's an idiot. Yeah, like it is heart-wrenching. You know, what, you know but. Also, like Bill Murray pulls this shit again in Groundhog Day. What with do you the mean? Ho- there's the there's the in Groundhog Day when he's looping. He keeps trying to save the homeless guy from freezing to death. Oh. You just gave me, gave me goosebumps. He pulls this exact same thing again. I've been playing a lot of charades in my house at the moment, <laughs> and we've referenced Groundhog Day so many times in the last, like, actually just last night. <laughs> so you mentioning it? <laughs> Frank ends up charging down a door and then exits onto the set of Scrooge, knocking over some barrels that then mm. take out the sensor again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is right. Frank is just fucking absolutely manic. Bryce and Grace try to wrangle him. <laughs> Frank, we've been looking all over for you, buddy. Hey, Frank. Come on, Frank. Frank, oh, Frank, Frank. Stop, right, stop, right. right. Look like Errol Flynn. No, huh? okay. He's very okay. funny. Come on. Come on. You go upstairs to your office, kind of supervise things. You can check up the satellite link-ups, huh? Bryce, we got come three on. minutes to I here. know how much time we got. I just want to say, uh, break a leg, everybody. I feel real weird about tonight. Yeah, do you hear that, folks? Okay, this one's for Frank. This is his baby. Come on, come on, come on. Don't lose it. Grace ends up talking him into going upstairs and when they get to the lift doors, they open and Frank freaks out because it's the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the one from the, yeah. show, from from the, the show. show. I feel like the ghost of Christmas past from the show is a better made ghost of Christmas past than the one they use for future. the movie. Yeah, that's the one, sorry. Mm, wrong. <laughs> It's almost showtime. We get a uh, montage of the last minute prep as they're about to go live. We see a voiceover guy promo the show in the background. The set is there entirely in focus. Split diopter. Oh, yep. (laughs) I did notice that. The show starts with John Houseman reading from the book. We get cut to Preston and his wife watching the show from at home with all of their cats. Ah. And when the... Dormouse appears on screen. The cats pour at the TV, and Preston says, "See, it works like a charm." There's so much fucking business that I just like my brain registered and let go of. Fuck, I love that. <laughs> Holy fucking shit! It's so wild. There's, um, there's, 
like there's so many things that you think is just set up, is just throwaway jokes. Yeah. But they actually are set up for later payoff. Infinite business. Oh, there's just so much. Frank is still pounding. I think Brady's rating is going to go up. Yeah, it has. Exactly. It definitely has. Frank is still pounding pounded vodka and tab. He opens up his present from James. There is a bit where there's a bit that doesn't make sense. So clearly something was cut out, but the present is wet for some reason. And then Frank picks it up and pours the vodka back into the back into his glass. So it's clearly like a piece of business that was that was cut out mm. where the, the present got like booze over it for some for, oh. some, for some reason. Anyway, um, inside is a photo of them as kids in a handmade wooden frame with the inscription to Frank, the best brother guy ever had. Merry Christmas. Fucking love that, but that's such a cheap present. I'm going to give that to my brothers next year. He, <laughs> he made a frame by hand. Oh, that's true. Missing from the script is Frank dealing with a situation in Berlin. <laughs> as part of the broadcast where Leroy Neiman was shot on the West Berlin Wall. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> By the way, in the script, it's not Buddy Hackett playing Scrooge, it's Marlon Brando. <laughs> oh, my God. Donna had worked with Brando on Superman. Oh, he right. plays Jor-El in the, in the Superman movie. At this point, Oh, my God. At this point, Brando hadn't made a movie in almost 10 years. And even he didn't want to get involved in this situation. Nah, <laughs> fuck no. How was reading the script, by the way? Is it as frenetic and fucking weird as the movie? It is pretty, it's pretty out there. Like I, my eyes couldn't visually track everything that was happening on the screen. There's so much chaos that is clearly just improv though. So like the base oh, of the screen, the base right. of the screenplay is really solid. Like I would say that, I would say that like um the structure of the screenplay and, and what is written in dialogue is what is in the movie. And then there's like, fucking 20 or 30% added on top, which is the chaos of production and Bill Murray. So even the visual gags you reckon were added by like the chaos? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. On screen, Ebenezer is warned that he's still to be visited by the ghost of Christmas future. And on the video wall behind Frank, the actual ghost of Christmas future rises up to fill all nine screens. I did like it. reaches out of the TV with a giant skeleton hand. I love a giant hand. Mm. Love a giant prop hand. And is about to grab Frank when Elliot Loudermook milk. Surprise, he's still in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Bursts in with a shotgun. Honey, I'm home. Oh boy. Remember me, boss? The guy you can the day before Christmas? That was fucking great. Frank asks him for a running start. Yeah. <laughs> and then Elliot gives it to him. He also does like a fucking Bugs Bunny. Surprise yeah. rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Uh, this is fucking as close to a Looney Tunes scene that you can get with like two real world people yeah. and a shotgun. Yeah. Pretty much. He yeah. chases him around the office and almost gets him a few times. Frank ends up getting to the elevator and is about to be shot when the doors open and the ghost of Christmas future is there. Frank gets in the lift and thinks it's the TV version, but then opens up the ghost's cloak and sees the screaming this souls trapped in his ribcage. May I? Wait, no, the best part is he closes yes, it. Yes, thank you. And then he takes another look yes. just to make sure. Yes, and then he so asks, true. did our people do that? We're going to get phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is great, doing the double take. And then this ghost has a TV under his hood. 
Yeah. Which is wonderful. And they do a bunch of cool like effects, like flickering effects and stuff. Yeah. And also the, the TV is like on its side so that it's long like a face. I wondered what was going on. It did look weird. The doors are lift open and Frank walks out into a hallway struggling to stay upright. It's a tilted set. Ah. So the set is tilted to the side. So Bill Murray is walking on an incline. Subtle. But, That's but it's good. shot That's with so the landscape, subtle. with the horizon straight. Yeah. yeah. Why would they do that and just not have Just to make it. it weird. Just to make it weird. Yeah, right. Okay. Frank sees Grace and Calvin in a padded room and Calvin is older and clearly he's been institutionalized because he, still, right. hasn't, he still hasn't. Yeah. Spoken. Fuck, I forgot about this part. There's so much. So much business. <laughs> Fuck. It's a dense film. It is. Yeah. Frank goes back into the lift and asks if this is a possible future. And then he's like, oh, I know a doctor that can help Calvin. Yeah. Out. Like clearly he's starting to have that, have that change. He's starting to care what happens. Yeah. And then he sees a vision of a rich Claire that hates children. Where did they come from? Hey, you! Beat it! Gilles! Will you look at that? Look at those filthy little creatures. Oh, Immediately. Oh, Claire. 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 They're just children. Please, darling. Don't tell me. I wasted 20 years of my life on pathetic little creatures like those. Finally, thank God, a friend of mine said to me, Scrape them off, Claire. You want to save somebody. Save yourself. She's the version of Claire that took his advice about scraping people I had off. no idea this was her until like the very end of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When he gets back in the lift and the door's closed, Frank tells the ghost that that was a lousy trick. Then he hits bottom, literally. They, mm. The elevator hits the bottom of the shaft and all those <laughs> things explode. They walk out to see Wendy in black mourning near a coffin. The set design here is gorgeous. Like it's just this towering like black stone. Yeah, yeah it's very um, cool. And then Frank thinks it's James that is dead, but then James walks into, into frame. It's Frank in the coffin. He's being cremated. Our Frank tries to stop the coffin going in, mm. dragging it. He's having a breakdown and then he's in the coffin as his legs yeah, begin that's, to, that's to, just to burn alive. He screams, I want to live. fucking dark so dark he's actually such a good actor hey like he's just one of those people that you don't think yeah. but like even his quiet comedy bits where he's like acting like bit bit indifferent you can see he has this depth to him mm -hmm. yeah i don't know look at him in lost in translation true exactly right. yeah yeah and then he does like the exact opposite like he like uh, i'm Rewatched Wild Things, not Wild Thing, Wild Things mm. from 1998. And he shows up as a lawyer that's like just out of a completely different movie, just doing bits. Does he? Yeah, he's a lawyer in that movie. <laughs> That. Exactly, right? Hectic. Elliot is still there with his gun. Frank kisses him, high-fives him, and then blows a raspberry on his stomach. <laughs> yeah. He offers him his job back at twice the salary. Yeah. The broadcast is still going on, which is exciting for Frank, because he's like, come on. You know how I just gave you a job back? Let's go jeopardize it by you, you going into I, the control room. You and I yeah. are going to have some fun, and they take the shotgun with them. Fuck. 
On the broadcast, Ebenezer has had his revelation. He flips a coin to a, to a child in the street to go buy a turkey, and then Frank catches it. Yeah. In the control booth. He's drunk. He's nuts. He's finished. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the build-up to that end scene where it's like, I feel like the crew of the show, for it to be, like, worthwhile, the crew of the show should have almost felt some of the tension more. Like, we should have seen them have the stress that eh, he's going through. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, Elliot yeah. bursts into the control room and takes over at shotgun point. And then Frank talks to the camera. He asks the audience why they're watching TV on Christmas Eve. Preston at home freaks out because he's yeah. like, that's, that's what your job is. <laughs> he, calls the, he calls the booth while... Frank is ranting and shows the photo that his brother gave him. We see that James and his friends and family are watching. And then he tells James the VCR was from Grace and that he was right, except about the SS Minnow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're like, how did he know yeah. that? <laughs> In the booth, Elliot blames Bryce for putting Frank on air, but Bryce is tied to a chair. <laughs> Preston kicks at one of his cats. <laughs> He's so angry he kicks a cat. Aww. I fully didn't catch that he blamed Bryce. That's smooth. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. They're tying everything up into a neat little they package. Are. Except for the guy with the shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, He's definitely going to re-lose his job. Yeah. Frank wants it to be a party, so he orders champagne for everybody. Orders the champagne be brought for, out for everybody. And then he makes out with one of the solid gold dancers under mistletoe. Do you yeah. guys know who the solid gold dancers are? I know no. of so them. They were, they were like, fam- oh, like a famous dance group of like beautiful of beautiful yeah. women. There's a lot of things that's like, and the solid gold, gold dancers. dancers. Yeah. yeah. The sensor grabs some mistletoe and mounts and then makes out with Brian. She should have been made more crazy against you know. Well. She probably had way more business. Yeah, yeah, I think it was probably cut. Yeah. <laughs> Frank says that that kiss was good, but it wasn't great. And he starts talking about Claire, how much he loves her, and how he hopes it's not too late. And then he, let me kiss someone on national television. And then he begins to reenact parts of the Kama Sutra. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's a there thing is, that happened. Okay. There is so much like cross cutting, right? There's so much like Frank talks for so long. Yeah. And there's all this cross cutting. And there is, again, infinite business. So you reckon there's just a thousand takes of him ad libbing a bunch of shit? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Claire runs out to get into a cab. <laughs> she says to the cabbie, can you get me to the IBC building in three minutes? And it's our ghost. He yeah, says, boy. which floor? <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Everyone's having a great time now, even Preston. Frank loves Christmas now. Now, how did that happen? That happened because it's Christmas Eve, I'm telling you. I'm not crazy. It's Christmas Eve. It's, it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We, we, we smile a little easier. We, 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 we share a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, you're going to burn for it. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having, having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you if you give, then you then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. 
if you believe in this spirit thing, you, you the miracle will happen, and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life, and it can happen to you. I don't. I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. And uh, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's it's really better than I felt in a long time. At this point, Murray is completely off script. He improvised the whole end. Really? So when he goes on this rant about Christmas being a miracle and blah, blah, blah. It feels like it's, he, just it's him not scripted. It's just him, just him talking. What's the, the original? No, it, it's just more, there's just more of it. Right. It just goes on and on. It, like Murray in the movie goes on and on and on forever <laughs> because he is just, he's reached the end of the script and he just keeps talking. <laughs> It feels like there is a point where there's no more script and I thought it was just Murray acting manic. Yeah, and then, well, it keeps going. It keeps going over the fucking credits. Yeah. So he wishes everyone a Merry Christmas. Calvin comes out and stands next to him. Frank asks if he forgot something, big man, and Calvin speaks for the first time. Did I forget something, big man? Frank picks him up and checks his tongue. <laughs> That's right. And then gives him to Grace. Claire's there. He drags her in front of a camera. Claire, the whole world. Whole world, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> and then they lived happily ever, ever after. They kiss. Grace starts singing, put a little love in your heart. Yeah. Frank sees that the ghosts have all gathered on the set roof of Scrooge's house and Herman is there floating, holding hands with Carol Kane's ghost. Yeah, that was nice. He's all right. He's with the abusive lady. (laughs) They're all singing. Yeah, that's right. Claire sees them as well and then he quickly turns her head back and kisses (laughs) her. (laughs) We get a crane shot. The credits begin to roll. Everyone is singing. We get a crane shot with the whole set filled with people and then Frank beckons the camera back down to him so it cranes down. He says into the lens, Feed me, Seymour! Feed me! Feed me, Seymour. Twice. What's that from? It's from Little Shop of Horrors, the movie he had cameoed in a year earlier. (laughs) It's so random, right? And then he starts talking to the audience, telling them to sing. You who were making so weird when it started to happen. Like, and I was just alone in my house. I was like, what the fuck? And then you who were making all that noise through the whole movie. That is all just Murray just making making shit up. And that is Scrooge, although we do then cut back to Murray dancing and brushing away the top the title in the middle of the credits. Yeah. I missed that, damn. And that is and that is Scrooge. So my thing about this movie is that it wants to have its ending. It has a predefined ending because of its source material, mm. but it also just abandons the ending halfway through <laughs> and becomes Bill Murray just yelling about Christmas and the yeah. credits roll and he continues yelling until, yeah, he until, fully people, breaks until the everybody wall. leaves the theater. Yeah. Because it knows, he knows that this ending is not justified yeah. by, by the behavior that he has 
portrayed for the yeah. previous 90 minutes. Yeah. Before his seven-minute rant. It, like, it also, like, yeah, it doesn't fix everything. You no. know what I mean? <laughs> I guarantee you, Frank Cross wakes up the next day, hung over as shit, yeah. looks at Karen Allen and goes, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> Yeah, 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 he has ended his career. Um, An appropriate age to have seen Scrooged. Oh, I don't know. It's fine, right? It's fine. I just don't know. Um, I, I like to do it based on when people would enjoy it the best. I feel like too young and kids are getting overstimulated and they're like, ah, too much is happening. Also, they wouldn't get like, because it's all referency and stuff. Like, like yeah. I, They'd probably like it fine, but. Okay to watch it. I reckon under 10. Yeah. Enjoying watching it, 15, 16. Yeah, probably to get And you've got to have a few references so you can get the deep cuts. Yeah. Yeah. But pretty much any age. I was seven when I saw this movie. (laughs) Did Did you you understand much of it? I was so confused by this movie. (laughs) Yeah, but it's still fun. I remember, I think I enjoyed it, but I also just, I remember my father being confused by this movie. Yeah. I will say now that we've had a, talk through it, I definitely enjoy it more. Yeah. Would you watch this movie again if you're in free will? Is it going to uh, make your Christmas list Is it going to make now? the Christmas list? I would watch you know it again, what? yes. I wouldn't watch it every year, but it's definitely one that I'd pull out every couple of years. Right. Yeah. Sure. I'd, I'd add it to the rotation. Not I'd necessarily every year, but in general. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd be, add it to the rotation. I'd like to hit this every year. <laughs> A rating for Scrooge, the way we rate movies, is on a five-star scale, with one being, I hated this movie, two being, I didn't like this movie, two and a half being, I like parts of this movie, it was fine, three being, I like this movie, four being, I love this movie, and five being, this is one of my favourite movies of all time. What were you going <sighs> to give it before the podcast? I thought a three was a pretty apt, apt rating, but now I'm, read it, read them out to me again, sorry. No. Three is I like it, three four is I, is I like love this it. movie, four is I love this movie. I do love it. I do love it, and for some of the reasons that it might not be a great movie are the reasons why I love it. So mm-hmm. I think a very strong four. Okay. Yeah. I think three and a half. I love parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. What parts? Some of the business. Well, some of the business. Also, I'd like to watch it again and I'd be appreciative of so Crates. Yeah, there's yeah. a few bits that I want to <laughs> see like, again. I feel like I will enjoy it more on a uh, on a rewatch. I think it's similar to Gilmore Girls. It'll be a good good one to watch because as I pick up different as things. I understand more. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever seen the, the that Rob Mitchum has his own knives and fork. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? How many times have I seen this movie? <laughs> That's the thing. It's so dense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you, sir? Oh, well, it's it's a fucking mess. Like, it doesn't... It, the movie, on a functional level, does not work. Yeah. Right? It doesn't. It actually doesn't work. But it is so fun in the moment. Yeah. In its moment to moments. Oh, honestly, I love how dark it is. I love yeah. that it's willing to go that Same. far. I don't think movies are that cynical anymore, and I miss that kind of cynicism. <laughs> That's the um, thing. Like, so many people the, don't like Bill Murray humor because it is very cynical. Yeah. And uh, the three ghosts make the movie for me. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. fucking the cabbie is just, oh, just, he just makes every every single line reading of his makes me laugh. And, True. and I laugh every time that, that Carol Kane punches Bill Murray in the face. <laughs> yeah. It is just, oh, it's All the ghosts so are my, swinging, that's just man. so my type of, my. Yeah. 
yeah. type of humor. For she's dressed as Glinda the Good Witch, and she just beats the shit out of her. Yeah, I'm surprised that you haven't in, implemented this on me more in terms <laughs> yeah. of like because I'm always like, well, let's watch Christmas movies. It's so, Christmas, and this is clearly when you like. So before I yeah. forget to give my rating, it's a four for me. Yeah, but it's Solid. working its way towards a five. Like yeah. it wow. is absolutely like I know that I had such a good time watching this movie. It's been quite a few years since I since I'd seen it. I had such a good time watching this movie that I was like, I need to watch this movie more often, and yeah. I know that every single time. I watch it. It will creep. It will creep up in rating until it hits a, wow. it hits a five. Yeah, because the only the only Christmas movies that you've done on repeat in terms of our relationship have been Home Alone and Die Hard. Yeah, Home yeah. Alone, like, Die Hard, great choices. And Gremlins a little bit. Gremlins, yeah. Gremlins a little probably bit. a little bit less in, less consistent. Yeah, less yeah. consistent as something that we watch, watch at Christmas. Yeah. We've watched it a few times, but I don't know whether we've really watched it that many times for Christmas. Yeah, yeah true. Whereas, yeah, this one feels like I'm yeah. surprised you didn't just go, well, this is a Christmas movie I like. You like Christmas movies. Let's watch this every year yeah. to make everybody happy. I guess that I kind of forgot. I think that it's one of those things where I saw it when I was a kid and then I've definitely seen it as an adult and I probably enjoyed it as an adult, but I don't think I appreciated it from a, I don't think I ever approached it from like a, from like a filmmaking perspective b- before. Right. Mm-hmm. And from mm-hmm. a, from my like like holy shit this is I, I don't know I, I think it, it wasn't a re- this movie wasn't a revelation for me this, to watch it this time it's just I think that I forget how much I enjoy it between between viewings and I don't think that I'd seen it I think maybe I'd seen it once in the last 10 years but, well, I, you but had, I couldn't you go you did because you watched it with me do you think a two, oh yeah we watched it yeah. yeah do you think a two hour version would have I don't been think it better. gets any better I don't think I think this movie is so chaotic that I don't think the adding, chaos makes it. That I don't think that adding more length to it makes it any more coherent. No, because I don't think it was ever coherent. Because I think the fundamental yeah. flaw of the movie is that it is beholden to a Christmas Carol. If it had had and a Bill wa- Murray and Bill Murray, and if it had had a if it had taken a left turn and diverted, yeah, and did a different ending, true. But Very how true. do you do a different ending that works? It doesn't feel like you just subverting it so much than then why are you doing Christmas Carol? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wrote in my letterbox review, you add Gonzo to the third act of this movie. Yeah. Instant five stars. Yeah. <laughs> Gonzo. Um, but like, only it because, feels like because it, I also love Muppet Christmas Carol. But you know, <laughs> you know, Muppet movies and those kinds of movies, it feels like that level of chaos. That's yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. It also feels very Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Right. It feels like there should be a puppet somewhere in it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we go to grab Christmas. Uh, the, sure. The future. Christmas. Sure. Do you feel like if you're making a movie with a big star like a Bill Murray, it's as much directed by them as a director? I think that they can bring a certain amount of influence that changes the tra- trajectory of how movie functions. And I think that when those two forces of a director and a big star like that are not aligned, it can it can create magic and it can create total chaos which as we've seen isn't always a negative not always a ne- not yeah. always a negative you don't have to get along with everybody yeah. to make something good sometimes that friction causes something good sometimes that friction causes things things to fall apart it, it's like, like who directs a, a will uh, uh, will who, ferrell yeah who directs a will ferrell movie you he, know he what also i mean produces all of his what happens with stars like that is he produces his movies he's involved in the that co- makes he's so involved much in sense. the writing of it so that he has more power than than a regular a comedy actor that's just showing up and doing that, that movie, so and he makes sense. movies with his, with his friends. Yeah, so there's always a. It's a different thing. This is Bill Murray bashing heads with a with a, a stalwart Hollywood director, yeah, director right. and that's what we end up with. Yeah, 
I wonder if scenario. they're like, if they actually like each other. And it, the SNL cast, notoriously like mercurial and hard to work with. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Wait, just you wait until we get to the Chevy Chase movie directed by John Carpenter. Oh my, oh God. my God. What movie is that? Oh my God. Do I have stories to tell? What movie is that? Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it does. That sounds it? amazing. Yeah. Well, you know. Maybe next Christmas. Uh, <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie. Um, this is a Christmas present. We can do that movie. Next episode. Our last one, we're following up with our last homework club of the year. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, it's Weird Kid Christmas. We will unwrap our favorite movies of 2023. So there will be no picking this week. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the episode. Uh, don't like. Strong episode. Subscribe. Yeah. Get the fuck out. Um, but definitely do, do keep an eye out for those ghosts of Christmas I mean, go to the beach, put your feet on the grass, whatever can says but also do the things where you listen to us and follow us and all the things yep go outside make, nice. go outside and make your own stuff follow us at weird kid video <laughs> thank you <laughs> on Someone instagram needs to. <laughs> this was total fucking chaos share us with a friend yeah felt like a long episode the record is under two hours what <laughs> no way yes we we chaos through this like bill murray in scrooge but it does the speed of this movie does ramp up towards the end right yeah i also yeah. just had a lot to talk about i just want to get through this as quick as possible <laughs> anyway, you know what um, makes a good christmas present what makes sharing a podcast with a friend does oh, jesus christ it does <laughs> no <laughs> okay that's it i'm i'm, I'm killing this podcast before it goes any further and Merry Christmas. Charles Dickens wanted to see her nipples. Bar humbug. <laughs> bar, <gasps> you bar stole his line. <laughs>